Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 277. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week, for the people, we went back to 1989, Saturday night's main event. Um, Yeah, I don't know if we utilize these enough. These are fun (laughs) shows. And you know what else is great about this is you get to see how well this show can be produced when it isn't just Vince McMahon in charge. Yes. You have to remember, these are, these are the Ebersol NBC shows. Mm-hmm. You know, that took place in, in the, Yeah, that aired in the place of Saturday Night Live, you know, on these dates when they happened. Because, I, I don't know, I could just notice it. Like, things were tight. Things were better than usual i would even say like i don't know i yeah. i enjoyed this show quite a bit oh i i enjoyed it quite a bit it's interesting also because usually they're building towards one of their big shows when they would have this like we're building towards SummerSlam here mm-hmm. um it's it's an exciting event but it's also a little bit repetitive because they're basically only promoting that big program on True. SummerSlam. uh but True. yeah no it's real enjoyable i'm glad that we checked it out and we'll definitely have to take more advantage of some saturday night's main event in the future but the reason we are talking about this specific one from July of 1989 is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together and discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the previous show. It's like the Oprah's Book Club, but for wrestling nerds. If you'd like to find out any information about the show, things about the hosts or old episodes or any links to our social media, you can find all of that on one place, goldenagepodcast.com. Yes, absolutely. Um, Please check that out. Um, Don't hesitate to contact us on Facebook or Twitter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We're Always open to suggestions, um, criticism, praise, whatever you got for us. Absolutely. Now, Tony, we we were off for the 4th of July weekend. I got to come out and hang out with you. But since then, we've had some exciting news in our own personal life and, and, and something that I'm sure that if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know, something we've been trying to kind of keep doing is we found ourselves getting tickets to All Out uh, in September, and I am extremely excited. Yeah. Um, you know, something that this will be our third trip now. After, mm-hmm. you know, attending all in and, uh, you know, all out as well at this point. Um, but yeah, just super fortunate. Um, you know, certainly not anything we want to rub into anyone out there that oh, yeah. wasn't as fortunate to, uh, to get those tickets because the following day, those tickets sold out. So real quick. Well, there wasn't a lot left at that point. The pre-sale no, no. basically wiped off most of the tickets on the show, but very true. And I think I saw it, you know, maybe six to 7% have popped up on the secondary market, which isn't anything awful yeah there's always that there's always that you know those screams out there about oh it's all scalpers you know all it's you know (laughs) yeah no there certainly are some scalpers there's some people trying to take advantage and get you know resales of like four thousand dollars for ringside seats or whatever but yeah but there's also a ton of fans that there's just a high demand for this show and it's a small arena i think if they wanted to they could probably have put all out into one of the larger arenas in the city but you know, they've got yeah, that. Yeah, that's a, you put a plaque yeah, with someone's face on the building, it's hard to say no. Right. That's a discussion we can certainly have at some point because, yeah, should they maybe bump it up to a bigger building? Bigger building? Is it, you know, it's not as intimate? Do you lose some of the interest from some, you know, I don't that's know. It, it's a risk. We'll see how this thing in New York goes. They're doing like the Arthur Ashe freaking mm-hmm. tennis field. Or whatever. I mean, that's so we'll, we'll see how many they sell at that. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see how that goes. But yeah, very excited about uh, getting to go and hang out with all you guys again, uh, watching Absolutely. some wrestling in Chicago. But before we can dive back to the world of 1989 and talk about Hulkamania pre 
you know, when he's at his worst, I guess, as far as like, you know, roids and, and, and no holds barred and all that stuff. Uh, before we can dive back to all of that, we got to talk a little bit about the current world today because there's a lot going on in the current world of wrestling. We talked a whole lot about a bunch of it in the post show in the current wrestling segment, but we saved a little bit of it for right now for the Sid Vicious Dishes. That board with this look on my face. It was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. Right, this position is not something I was born with. It's something I was acquired because people like you. <laughs> because you are feared of me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we're live. What are we talking about this week? Well, you know, DP, I thought it would be fun to talk about wrestling in front of people. And AEW did that with their Road Rager... Um, mm-hmm. you know, getting out, getting in front of fans, getting a you know fresh reactions, you know the excitement of people that haven't been able to see live wrestling in a long time really does add something to the show. We mentioned in the current wrestling stuff at the end, um, oh, yeah. just how excited we are. Well, how excited we are that we're both ready to for Raw and SmackDown to be in front of fans again, and oh yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that will help <laughs> the brand or the product in some small way. But so yeah, I wanted to talk about Dynamite. It was a hell of an atmosphere. Um, I loved the, you know, the open to the crowd going wild. You know, the voice of Jim Ross at his, you know, Jim Rossiest, you know, doing doing a good job to hype you up. Um, <laughs> I just, I thought it was so telling that, like, I would have started the show with a match where people would have been excited to see both wrestlers enter to the yes. ring. Yep. Instead of having Jobber QT Marshall standing in the <laughs> ring like the Brooklyn Brawler. As Cody gets his full, as he should. I mean, that is a great way to. People love Cody. Yeah, maybe put him against somebody that you can also show their entrance on TV, and we can listen to the crowd boo them. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. But for QT, they QT, they would have just crossed their arms and wouldn't have paid any attention anyway. But this- um, yeah, we got we got a shot of Dan Lambert, Amanda Nunez, which is like legitimately the one of the biggest stars in mixed martial arts. Like that's pretty wild okay. that she's there, and then Ore Pasvidal, who's been involved in stuff. But they're shown in the front row. That may be something that'll come back up later. Um, now, this was know, one Cody, of the, you, you mentioned, like choosing a match that has guys that you could show both of them. I this blew me away that this was the the one match you're going to start with. You're going to start with this a strap. We're going to start with the strap match and a guy in the ring. That like as much as I enjoyed this show, this was the weirdest thing to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I get wanting Cody maybe to come out first, but then put him against Penta. Or something, you know, mm. somewhere that they all also give a shit about. Anyways, shocker, Cody wins. Um, <laughs> so. Yep, Cody wins. That, oh yeah, and then they do you know a strap match, which means you have to hit the four corners, and they don't even give us lights on the four corners. I was so <laughs> mad. Yes, I guess I should mention. Yeah, we we had a false alarm blackout during this match where mm-hmm. the lights went out, but nobody showed up when they came Which, back on so you know what as far as taking advantage of your location you're in miami hurricane elsa's bearing down on the area like i right. that, that immediately crapped in my head i was like oh there could be a storm coming in and that might have been 
you know, just an accident. But and that was kind I, of what the announcers played it off as. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it would just be kind of foreshadowing. But yeah, okay, and good stuff there. Now, the segment that should have opened the show, although they try so hard to not be like the WWE, this is what should have opened the show because this one got me, gave me the goosebumps. So if you give me the goosebumps, then it's probably a segment that would have been best open with. But we have yeah. Tony Schiavone in the ring. Here comes the champion of all worlds, Kenny Omega, along with uh, Uncle Don Callis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they come out and they're immediately dismissive of Shivani, which I wish I could have heard what Omega, like, after Callis kind of, like, told Shivani to go stand over there, Omega almost looked like he was being the, like, reassuring, like, nice parent that's trying to be like, it's okay, Tony. <laughs> like, just go stand. But I don't know what he was saying, but he, he was, like, still talking to Shivani as he shuffled to the corner. Um, Callus talks about all the people Omega has defeated, you know, since he's, you know, this been AEW champion. Just, just to point out the, the, the similarities here, this felt so much like the Roman segment with, <laughs> with edge coming out, like, but yeah. without the crowd and without the craziness and, and you know, excitement, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's like I said, I know why they probably didn't open the show with this <laughs> because you don't want to be the, but sometimes good TV is just good TV. It is. Anyways, Don, you know, Don says they've beaten everybody. There's no opponent for Fight for the Fallen, or is it Fighter Fest? Whatever the hell is coming up. Oh, I'm yeah. I think it's uh, Fighter Fest because they're doing a two week thing. Because like next week's night one of whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, Fighter Fest is two weeks, and then Fight for the Fallen will be the third week. When okay, gotcha. So he doesn't have an opponent, uh, and then I'm so happy too that his stock has been rising quickly. I feel like in the last month or so. Dark Order's evil Uno stretched to the ring. And I mean, like, I don't know. I, I was really impressed with Uno here. The fact that I know some people don't like, can you like the fact that he's standing face to face with the best wrestler in the world, mm-hmm. you know, the hottest wrestler in the world. And he absolutely held his own here. And I thought this exchange between him and Kitty was, was really good stuff. It was just kind of weird because I know I, I saw some people criticizing the fact that, like, you also just did this segment last week. But, <laughs> well, yeah, but they of, they yeah. changed it enough that I thought it was fine. And but yeah, I loved Evil Uno coming out. He feels so much more comfortable now in this role, mm-hmm. I guess. And and he's always been an okay speaker, but yeah, he like here he felt fine. He comes out, you know, talks about you know, I, there's one person. Why are you ignoring him? Because last time it was I'm not going to say who it was, our friend. <laughs> and then you know Kenny Omega was like, well, I don't think your friend even wants in this. And so this time, you know, we've got Omega being further pushed into the corner and having to like you know, react like a cornered animal and, and try to find a way to fight out of it. Yeah, Kenny would ask Evil Uno if he knows what the capital of Thailand is. <laughs> Did which, you see mm. Colt Cabana's tweet about this? <laughs> no. Colt Cabana goes, he, he, he put a tweet out just saying, he's, he's like, dude, I've used that line for years. He's like, I was screaming from the stage, but U- Evil Uno couldn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Bangkok, obviously. So he kicks him in the crotch. We then get a brawl between the elite and the Dark Order. Um, the ring's kind of been cleared to some degree with Omega left alone. And that's when the music of one Hangman Adam Page would hit. Uh, the building exploded. Hangman and Kitty face off. And uh, yeah, man, this was good well, stuff. This is, you know, why wrestling in front of people is so important. Yeah, like this time, you know, because they got into a little bit of a brawl last time, but this time, you know, Hangman comes to the rescue of the Dark Order here with their Mm -hmm. brawl, helps them clear out the ring, and then turns around and is in a perfect setup for the, you know, Buckshot Lariat 
which is also yep. another callback to the last time that they were in that position. And yep. I thought it was just perfect. And the fans, like you said, were going nuts. They were already going nuts just when Evil Uno stepped out. They were chanting, we mm-hmm. want Hangman, which was giving me chills. Like, it yep. was such a good segment, man. Like, this was, this was as soon as this happened, and then when we found out we were getting tickets, like, that was where I was like, all right, I oh, yeah. I really hope that they push this to that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, they can hold off. Um, yeah, so awesome segment there. Um, Should have opened the show. Anyways, moving on. Uh, we have a sit-down with Jim Ross. Um, you know, I don't know that these are, but these feel like a bit of a callback to the 1997 mm-hmm. Jim Ross interviews with Dustin Rhodes or Mick Foley or, oh, yeah. you know, those... That kind of a setting. Um, but yeah, it's Ethan think, Page and Darby Allen. Now, listen, I could be old man yelling at Cloud and be a little annoyed at the fact that these two are sitting within six feet of each other mm-hmm. and they don't dislike each other. They don't just have a match coming up against one another. Yeah. These two hate the existence of the other one. Well, I will and are say- going to have a coffin match and they're just yeah. like, Hanging out with Jim Ross, talking about each other. I will say, though, they kind of set that up last week, though, where, you know, Alan attacked him. And then it was made the stipulation that he's not allowed to attack him for at least seven days before. The, so every ah, time he attacks right. him, it's going to reset the clock. So that at yeah. least gives a reason for Darby not to go after him. And Ethan Page, a reason to be like, well, I'm just going to sit here because fuck you. <laughs> That's No, you're not wrong. And I did really like it. I just, you know, you could. I what you're saying. You could have had him interviewed separately. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, no, but the segment itself is great. The tension between these two is really good stuff. Darby mentions that Ethan's mad because it took him 12 years to accomplish what Darby did within his first year. Yeah, um, I'm sorry you wanted to go and get married and have a happy life with a family. <laughs> I've been right, killing yeah, myself for 12 years. Yeah. He says Ethan chose a family and uh, Darby just de- dedicated himself exclusively to wrestling and that's what allowed him to succeed so quickly where it took Ethan so long. Um, Paige doesn't disagree with Darby, you know, and says that um, he's not lying and that he is upset because Darby skipped the line. You know, he took an opportunity that should have been his and um, he's going to take him out. You were supposed to spend two miserable years in impact. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. No, I loved, I loved the way that this closed as well with Jim Ross mm -hmm. just saying, I don't got a good feeling about this match and Ethan paid good. You shouldn't like, I just love that ending. That was perfect. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think, I think Ethan and Scorpio might be done. Oh, like, like as a team. I just, I'm sorry, Scorpio sky, but I watched this segment and I'm like, Ethan page does not need to be in a tag team. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are only handcuffing this man in my, opinion. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, that's just my opinion though. But um, yeah, we get some uh, pinnacle inner circle action. Jesus Christ. Wardlow and FTR defeated Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. I still whatever is good stuff. Like I'm, I'm really excited about the momentum that feels like is behind Santana and Ortiz. Yes, but this, like, it just feels like this is a program that just isn't ever going to end at this point. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Conan was beaten up after the match, and Conan is another person where I have no idea what his status is because he literally just debuted with a new LAX in MLW's Battle Riot. Oh, nice. Okay, so. I don't know who the hell he works for or if he's done. I was not, I was glad that he only took the chop block this time instead of being right. spike pile driven like last yeah. time. Um, but I'm really excited about FTR and Santana and Ortiz just getting to have a great match against one another in the oh, near yeah. future. Definitely. 
And then the the surprise announcement of, oh, I care about Carl Anderson again suddenly. Like, that was so, like, I thought it was a great idea to call back on the New Japan stuff because mm-hmm. that's so much of, like, anybody that is in the, the role that I'm in where I'm like, I'm sick of the Good Brothers, but damn yes. it, I liked Carl Anderson in New Japan a whole lot. Like, oh, I would love to see him come back and just have a great damn match with somebody like that. So when they, they put this whole package together, I'm excited about the match against Moxley. Yeah, Carl, I guess we should probably say that what happened there. Carl Anderson challenged John Moxley for his New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Championship on night one of Fighter Fest. So, yeah. Cool and I think that's there. what also New- allows you to push back the, the Kenny stuff further towards the actual mm-hmm. pay per view. Yeah, and New Japan's, you know, Twitter has been promoting the match and talking about Carl Anderson's nice. accomplishments. And they're also so, you know, taking down even screenshots of their programs that are being posted by people now, but yeah, at least they're, they're on board with AEW. <laughs> yeah. Like listen here, new Japan, you aren't, you don't have all that favor you once had. You might mm-hmm. think about easing up on some of this shit because ain't nobody rushing to watch that stuff. Do you see a Bushi? had to pull out of Sapporo. Oh, really? I didn't see that. No. Due to like uh, side effects from the vaccine. Oh, gosh. Damn. So it's like, uh, you know, like you just can't <laughs> can't win for trying. Anyways, well, did he like go and get the shot like the day before? I don't know. Yeah, I'm also thinking, have this guy had a broken neck before? Like <laughs> in a country that's already having problems with their vaccination numbers. Yeah. Maybe you don't scare them by having a boost. You have to pull out of a wrestling match because of, and I don't know. Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jericho and MJF sat at a table and talked to each other because I feel like they've been doing that for a year now. I mean, it, it, it was like. notable for the fact that they set up the the system now that is going to be Jericho is going to have to fight through four matches in order to face yes. MJF. And of course, a fan rushed the ring. And so we right. got the bad side of fans being back at the crowd, back in the yeah, arena. I, I think Chris got a good shot on him, though. I, I, it looked like he got him. I don't know. It looked like it from the TV camera angle, from the fan cam. Mm-hmm. It looks like he just kind of gives him a little shove um, ah, okay. to help to help out the security. Because this dude was like, he's not strong, like muscly, but he's a big fat dude. And he like, looked, it was, a, yeah. it was a lot for that security guard to try to keep him out of that mm-hmm. ring. So, Hey guys, don't do this. Like, God damn it. I know like we're about to start having rest fans at shows again. The NBA dealt with a good amount of this. I heard someone say that too, and I hadn't heard anything about that yet. But that's why I would that, say like, all probably, of a sudden, probably, yeah, no one knows how to five. behave themselves. Yeah, I felt like there were at least four or five like fan incidents once wow. they started coming back to the buildings because they get drunk and I haven't been outside for two years. Yeah, anyways, yeah. don't just don't please. And the crazy um, thing about this guy is he seemingly was doing this premeditated. It wasn't just like a drunk oh, guy. Yeah, he's he was on Twitter. I don't get into promoting it, it ahead he of was, time and is still talking about it to this day and probably should be yeah. on like a watch list of some sort. He's yeah. He tried to tweet Brian last and Jim Cornette as it, like, mm-hmm. look at what I did. Aren't you proud of me? Kind of thing. And oh, of Jim course Cornette had to have his Alex Jones in court day where he was like, I'm, I'm working folks. It, 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 the, the ring is sacred. Don't attack these people. I don't care what yeah. I say about them. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. And to both of their credits, they're both like, no, fuck that guy. So yeah. anyways, um, Britt Baker complained to Tony Schiavone. I'm not trying to diminish. I mean, it's just, you know, it was decent stuff from her. She just mm-hmm. complained about Tony Khan and all that stuff. Uh, we then had the in-ring debut of Andrade. I don't know what the hell his name is. El um, Idolo. JR. Yo- YOLO? Is it Andrade YOLO? <laughs> no, I'm it's not sorry. Idol but anyways, in Spanish. He beat, he beat me. Yeah, I don't speak Spanish. He beat Matt Seidel. It was great. 
to the surprise of no one. Matt Seidel was awesome in this match. Like, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I've liked Matt Seidel for a long time, but like, it seemed like I was really hoping that these two were going to be like, let's steal the show on this one. And like, Andrade was fine, but I yeah. really liked Matt Seidel in this match. Also, I love the black mask inspired that was like, cool. entrance that gear was from cool. Andrade. Like, <laughs> it also I would feels hope that- so much Los Ingobernables as well because yeah. you've got the Nido yeah. mask thing. Which, listen, maybe wink, wink that, you know, they've got every other faction in AEW. Why not let him have a loser sure. of uh, We get a little bit of a history lesson on Christian Cage and Matt Hardy. They will have a match at Fighter Fest. You know, whatever, 23 years, never had a singles match. All right, here we go. So, you know, good stuff. At least that was on, on, on a house show, I guess. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they've wrestled that way, but. Right. Uh, then one of the, you know, big moments here of the night. And I know it's not anything to do with Bruce Anderson. Arn Anderson is in the ring, um, seemingly for no reason. That's why when this when this happened, because yes. I couldn't help myself, and I got on Twitter because I was bored and I forgot Dynamite. Anyways, I saw the clip. Oh, okay. And so at the end of Cody's match, I was like, "All right, like here we go, like, here we go." And I was like, what the, "When the fuck does it happen?" Because I saw that like Cody, you know, obviously Cody gets kicked anyway. So Arn Anderson's getting interviewed. Tony kind of asks about, you know, his son and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but pretty much before anything is said, the lights go out. And this time when they turn on, formerly known as Alistair Black, now Malachi Black, appears mm. and kicks the head off the shoulders of Arn Anderson. Uh, Arn Cody yeah. sold that. So, like, the, the the best part of it was the microphone. The way that he lets go of the microphone, <laughs> like, bounces so violently. Yeah. I was like, that was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it was great. No, so great stuff there. Um, and then here comes Cody Rhodes. He didn't wear his headset out like he likes to do sometimes in these situations <laughs> to let everybody know that he's also in charge backstage. Um, yeah, Cody Rhodes came out. He got a kick in the head. You know, Malachi LeBlack looks strong here. I, I don't. You know, I just do question. And I know he created the character, and there was the short film, and it's all mm-hmm. very cool and everything. I was just a little surprised he wasn't just Tommy in. Yeah. Like, like, is it just maybe he's still trying to protect that? Like, no, no, no. Like. If if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna be Tommy End wherever I, you know, like he, <laughs> he's like he I'm doesn't want to lose his name. Tommy End for England. I'm not <laughs> right. Like, you sons of bitches are gonna, you know, probably cut me again at some point, with, and I'm gonna need that damn name. Yeah, because with that music, that video, because the video is like even it's the other people telling him that his name isn't Malachi Black, and so right. like is this setting up like a greater meta universe for this character where like he's like. Almost like a, a Matt Hardy character, but right. only outside well, the of thing. the arenas. You said Matt Hardy. I'll tell you where some of the more negative opinions on the internet have gone with this. I'm not. I'm all on board for it. Mm. Fiend. Oh, fiend. okay. Like Tommy they're, they're, the Fiend version. They're of- worried. They're worried about a character <laughs> with lore and what that may entail, and oh. the possibility of a split personality, perhaps with you know. I don't know. I mean, like I'm. I think it's just really cool that he's also been able to kind of morph this into still using the storyline that he had in the WWE. Like he's got his yeah. eye still looks right. up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to appreciate that. He's still selling the eye. Oh no, um, it was, it was super exciting. It was one of those things you knew, you didn't, no one expected it. I was, yep. I was reading like he was talking about it on his Twitch stream later on and said like seven people knew about it. He was like, we had to tip the security off sec- like minutes before we were coming in, which of course wow. also on the night when a fan tries to attack the arena, you're trying to I surprise know. everybody. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, um, yeah. And of course it's Cody. I swear to God, if he beats him, 
I swear to God, if Cody yeah. beats him. Yeah, Cody better not. I, I would hope not. <laughs> at least in the first match. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But anyways, yeah, good to see him here. Um, you know, exciting stuff. Possibilities are great <clears throat> for what could come. Yeah. Uh, fun tag match. Orange Cassie and Chris Statlander beat the Blade and the Bunny. Um, it was was what it was. Yeah. I, uh, I, I kind of fall in line with uh, Brian Zane's opinion of if you're going to do it, Go full intergender or just don't do it. Like don't don't do these ah. weird mixed tags. Like just it's just weird because then you're just you're 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 conf- the crowd doesn't know what to expect. They want one yeah. thing, but you, they know you're probably not going to give it to them. Because <laughs> I feel like it, people expect AEW to do intergender. Yes, because of the match that they had on the cr- Jericho and, cruise, and they don't. Yes. You know, like they're yeah. not going to either. Like that's mm-hmm. not Khan himself has said. Yeah. Like he that's not do that. something that they're interested in. So. Uh, Dan Lambert, he's so damn good. Like this guy, I mean, I know MLW brought him in and he's, you know, he's been great there. You know, the stuff in impact mm-hmm. with Lashley, basically we got Lashley over again and got him a job in the WWE his, again. His skill as a MMA coach must just be so good and make him so much money because otherwise there's so much money to be made in the wrestling world for this guy, just with his mouth. Like he's so good. Man. Yeah. I hope they maybe find an excuse to keep him around. I, I would. Um, yeah, he just like yeah. shits on AEW the whole time talking about it's the old days of Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk and <laughs> that's the other great thing about him. Like he also has the legitimacy to him because people know that he is a real wrestling fan. He's always mm-hmm. spoken about his knowledge. He has a big belt collection. He's a collector of the classic, cha- you know. Yeah. So he has that on his side as well, and just craps all over AEW. Um, it's kind of an ultimate. You know, vehicle for Lance Archer to uh, you know, take him out, and uh, you know who knows who, who knows what this might you know result in perhaps Lance Archer f- fighting some MMA people. I don't know. We'll see. See, I don't know where that. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly where this goes from here, but it was it was definitely interesting and it was entertaining at least. I, I enjoyed enjoyed watching him. Then you know, get his comeuppance after he talked a bunch of shit. Totally. Um, but then the main event time. Boy, in front of fans, they were wild for this. Tag Team Championship Street Fight. Young Bucks defending against Pentagon and Eddie Kingston because reasons. Mm. Um, man, he's still rocking the Joker gear. Which is like, <laughs> all right, man. He's still rocking the Joker gear. And also, it's real weird when Alex Abramantis is part of the team when they're baby faces. Like, he's great. I love him as part of Pentagon's whole package. Oh, yeah. But oh, he's yeah. so much better as that snarky, like, smarmy heel. Right. Then he is as just like babyface cheerleader, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. Yeah, the whole situation is kind of weird. They with Kingston and the pin, all of them. But anyways, the match itself was great. The Bucks were in short shorts, which just cracked me up. <laughs> they they continue to be as obnoxious as possible with their hair and their facial hair and their jewelry, and you know, I just you, oh, you gotta yeah. love all of it. And 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 we knew that the crowd would be really excited for for Kingston, but man, they fucking loved Eddie Kingston here, like. That was awesome. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Eddie's real. You know, there's been a lot of news recently about Terry Funk and a lot of people giving him that credit about like how you just believed mm-hmm. in Terry. You believed what Terry said. You be- and that's what Kingston has for him. Kingston doesn't feel like he, do- he doesn't feel like he's playing a character. He doesn't feel like he's selling you any bullshit. Yeah. It just feels like, you know, Eddie Kingston based on what you've seen of him on TV. Like he just has that mm-hmm. connection with fans. So. Uh, wish he wouldn't and, matches. And this was this was one of those matches that had so much extra shit, like 
all kinds of run-ins and they stuff. Had everything. But they the had way run-ins. <laughs> the way that they worked it out, like with with like you know, fucking Frankie Kazarian's part of this match was mm-hmm. awesome. Like it just was so like it just kept building and getting more exciting and more. And it didn't like lose me in the way that like some of those WCW five run-ins in a match right. late WCW did. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the tack involvement and then handfuls of tacks being thrown like in the direction of fans. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was a great <laughs> idea on the Bucks' part, but oh yeah, that was a little odd. It was like pocket sand, but tacks. Yeah. You know, it's like at least Gallagher was shooting, you know, watermelon into your like at you. Thumbtacks isn't quite as much fun, I can't imagine. But yeah, um, Bucks would end up retaining here, and uh, you know, which I'm glad they did. Like I know it's in front of fans, and there's going to be like that impulse to like, oh, let's do something, switch the titles, yeah, let's do something big in front of an, but eh, you know, not don't sacrifice, you know, a storyline like the deal that the elite and the Bucks are involved in for sure. No, yeah. I, I, overall, I thought this was a fantastic, you know, edition of Dynamite. I, I just it it might have been just that the crowd was so great that this could have been, you know, some of the segments might have been, I might have found them mediocre if they were back at Daly's place still or something before the fans had come back. But man, this whole thing, like, I ended up. This is one of the few shows I have watched twice in right. months. <laughs> yeah, and I know timing is what time, you know, the way is what it is. But boy, if you could have pushed Omega and Jungle Boy back a week. Oh yeah. Yep. You know, that would have been. But anyway, you know, we'll get that down there. But yeah, no, like you said, the show was great. Um, you know, the segments were all made that much better by the, you know, audience involvement. And um, it's just wonderful to have them back. Absolutely. All right. So you ready to, to dive back a little bit here, Tony? I am. Let's dive. All right. We got to go back to July of 1989. So let's install the flux capacitor at 88 miles an hour with the four things. Four. Four. The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things are... Number one. On July 2nd of 1989, the Tiananmen Square incident student leader Wang Dan was arrested and imprisoned for spreading counter-revolutionary propaganda and incitement. He wouldn't have his trial until 1991. But I just thought it was interesting that that had just happened like a month before uh, this, this event. Wow. Okay. So yeah, no, that's it, uh, yeah. It's, it's like the timing of things. It's always interesting when you watch these shows, and it's oh yeah, that was fucking a week before. Because yeah, like you know, I didn't. I, ne- I just never realized that like Hulkamania was running wild while Tiananmen Square was happening. <laughs> it just that seems wow. like that was further in the past than than Hulk was, but I mm-hmm. guess not. So uh, July fifth, number two, Seinfeld, originally titled The Seinfeld Chronicles, screened its pilot episode. Starring Jerry Seinfeld, Jason Alexander, Julia Lee Dreyfus, and Michael Richards on NBC. And they hated it. I'm, I can't remember if it was a pilot. Because I also question was Julia Lee Dreyfus a part of the pilot? Because I thought that was a whole thing where. It's possible not. Sometimes the uh, the On This Day website gets some of those in, in I mean, details. I, I, wrong, can't, I can't remember. Sure. I just remember that, like, there, that was a whole thing where like that character you know, was made much greater of a part of the oh, deal than I think was originally kind of intended. Gotcha. So, yeah, but either way, that's the start of, you know, potentially the greatest for some people's uh, comedy sitcom of all time. So absolutely. I know Biggie's a big fan. Number three, <laughs> taking a look at the movies playing in American movie theaters in the lead up to tonight's event, because uh, it's 1989. We don't have all that like random stuff that doesn't make any money to really talk about. Uh, but on right. May 24th, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade would release. It would go on to make four hundred and seventy four million dollars. Yeah, I mean, probably everybody's probably nobody's favorite. 
Indiana Jones film. I, but it it quickly became much more popular after the Crystal Skull one came out. They're like, all right, never mind. Last Crusade was actually not that bad. <laughs> exactly. June second saw the release of Dead Poets Society, making two hundred thirty nine million dollars. I need to watch that one because I hear a lot about it. Oh. I just have never given it a chance. Yeah. No, I think yeah, you'd like that. That's good stuff. Also releasing that same weekend, I said nothing that didn't make a lot of money that was trash, but this one we have to make mention of. No Holds Barred would release, making $16 million. No Holds Barred. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's... It's a fun watch. It's, a, it's bad. It's a fun, bad movie. <laughs> I don't know if you would feel that way with you're not a wrestling fan. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to... Yeah. Because without well, that it's, aspect of it, you might just really think it's just terrible that's true it's pretty over the top and it's terribleness i think like the dookie line is going to get even non-wrestling oh, fans god yeah. june 9th saw the release of star trek 5 the final frontier i think that's the last one with the original people in it oh, god. yeah i think you're right i can't there's one where they go back in time to san francisco and like rescue humpback whales that isn't great i can't yeah. remember if it was after this after that or before that so. as as a next gen fan i've never really given the original cast the time of day so i don't know which movie that <laughs> right. is. june 16th saw the release of ghostbusters 2 making 216 million what what year is this it's 1989 no shit i i didn't know that there was that much of a gap between the first and the second movie uh yeah listen i mean i'm a fan of i mean i love the ghostbusters like mm-hmm. i love everything about the ghostbusters um, I, I like the second movie quite a bit. I mean, I know it doesn't. It's it's not as good. It's there's a much more manufactured feel to it because at yeah. that point it was you know pop culture kind of a deal. But uh, I like it. I like the ooze as, and you know the evil. As a kid that wasn't allowed to watch the first one until after I'd already seen that one because this one was PG and the first was PG thirteen. I was a big ah. fan of Ghostbusters too. Um, and then I saw the first one. I was like, yeah, it's it's good too. But I I really like Vigo. Yeah, Vigo. Vigo, Vigo scared the shit out of me when I first watched that. As he a is scary. I mean, especially when like Dan Aykroyd, that scene when he's just like giving whoever it is, it's giving, like, the rundown of like all the awful things he's done. Oh, yeah. Like as a child, that was, was was pretty scary. Oh, that, and then just anytime I saw a, a painting that kind of had that stare from then on would creep me out. <laughs> June twenty right. third saw the release of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, making two hundred twenty two million dollars, which is another one from my childhood that I adore. It is. It's a, you know, I don't know, I don't know how long of a list it would be, but it might be on my perfect movies list. Like that's a perfect movie. It's up there. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good one. Also releasing the original Batman, making four hundred and eleven million. Jesus, like the same week. Yeah, yeah, same week. Good God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, the movie, and I mean, some of you might hate this, but the movie that started it all, like, oh yeah, Donner, you know, R.I.P.s, Donner's Superman, you know, kind of maybe led the way but as far as the tone and the kind of the way a lot of these movies are produced they're mm-hmm. done now like tim burton's batman is you know to, to thank in a large part for you know the superhero genre and what it kind of turned into absolutely number four now we move to the world of popular music the billboard hot 100 was being topped by an artist that i've never really known the name of i've heard the hook of the song because mm. eminem would use it years later for one of his songs uh, but this is martika with toy soldiers Yeah, there you go. 
I had forgotten that Eminem had done that. Yeah, it's, it's like, not oh, one yeah, of his more right. more remembered songs. It was it was off an album that wasn't as much liked, I think. But um, also, uh, by the way, the number two on the list, Tony, is off the Batman soundtrack. Can you guess what song that was? Uh, it's Prince. I know it it's is. Prince. <laughs> it's Prince. I'm glad you guessed. I thought for sure. It, what movie was Kiss from a Rose from? That's uh, is that Batman, Batman 2? Forever. Okay. No, that's Steel and Batman Forever. Yeah, and I knew that wasn't Prince that sang that one, but I, I thought when I when I teed up that it would be Batman, that, that would be what you'd go to. But this is yep. a Prince song that I don't think gets a lot of play anymore because it's not very good. It's called Bat Dance. Yes, Bat Dance. This is a song that also we, we have a, a, re, a request show at our radio station and sometimes we, our theme is like movie songs. Someone yeah. requested this and the guy that runs the show, he also is like our music guy in charge, heard that, get the funk up! And it was like, yeah. oh! Freaked out and shut it off right away. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, yeah, like it's, it's soundtrack is fun because it's all Prince. Like Prince is the... Oh, okay. Is the, I didn't realize and that. like a lot and a lot of the songs play during the movie like you know at the end when and, during the parade and yeah stuff. well like listening to that I was like this would be a perfect song for like you know an action sequence or like a chase sequence but as far as just he, like listening to it on the radio I don't know that I would request bat dance yeah he's basically did the score like obviously not the you know but a lot of the music plays throughout the movie nice well that brings us now to July 29th of 1989 the WWE is building towards SummerSlam, featuring straight out of the movie screens into real life, the angle that involved Zeus. Yeah. And this was just the beginning of noticing a tight, well-produced show. Because this is something that they do a lot, but I felt like there was precision and there mm-hmm. was a certain quickness to all of these opening promos. Oh, that, yeah. they, that didn't drag out. They didn't. They felt like they were on a very strict time restraint. Mm-hmm. And you basically promote your entire show in like 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before we jump in directly to those, I just wanted right. to point out on the other side of the wrestling world, the NWA was currently having their great American bash. It would be taking place five days after this aired. Uh-huh. That featured a two ring 50 man battle royal for King of the Hill. The skyscrapers, Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious battling the dynamic dudes of Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. It also had Jim Cornette versus Paul Dangerously in a singles match. Those are the bad sides. On the good sides, it had Sting versus Great Muda, Lex Luger versus Ricky Steamboat, and Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. All three matches that got like four to 4.5 stars from Dave Meltzer. I feel like we've watched that show. I think we have too. It also featured the Steiner brothers on the card. The Road Warriors were involved. I was just looking at that card and I'm like, Compared to what we're about to see in the WWE, it feels so much further ahead, even though I'm sure the WWE is doing better in the, you know, making money, at least at this time. Sure. No, I mean, yeah, that yeah, NWA, as far as the quality of the, or the wrestling and things of that nature, were definitely, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of the more cartoonish presentation we get here. But you, like you said, I think we've got, you know, maybe some of the Dick Ebersol uh, influence here that's causing some of this to feel so tight, but it is a very good open here where we just, it's a quick round, quick hit promos, letting everybody know what to expect on this show. Yeah. Although it yeah, is in some very 1989 green screen, like Sherry's hair is half green on the cutout. <laughs> like there's a big black line around most guys. Right. It doesn't look great. No, that's true. Yeah. Macho man and Sherry, 
uh, say they're going to skin the barber. Um, <laughs> I, I, I liked their name for him, though, because it does feel like something that like the OSW guys would call Beefer, the world's biggest hot dog. Oh, yeah! The Macho Man Randy Savage wants to invite you all to a summer barbecue, and we're going to cook the world's biggest hot dog. Notice the barber beefcake. Oh, yeah! Oh, we skinned you last spring, and tonight we're going to roast you like the weenie that you are. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! I didn't realize how much Oh, Yeah's Sherry did at this time, but she does a lot of those tonight. No, I like it though. Like that, that was very good, you know, well done. Um, Barber responds and basically just don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Forget what Shavit, Savage and Sherry said. I'm going to cut Macho's hair and scary right. Sherry can sweep up the hair with the broom she rode in on. Yeah. Hey, no, not bad. And we'll see too that Barber's the, the Barber's the one that got a haircut recently. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just this past spring, apparently, according to Sherry, but. Heenan right. is with the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. He says they're going to win the tag championships tonight from Demolition. And then Demolition screams and says, no way we're losing our belts. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, Honky Tonk Man tells Hulk Hogan that he's going to face the music tonight. You know, just very honky like promo. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then Hogan. I would have had like clips of each of these guys, but we're going to hear from them in much further length. Mo- a uh, lot more for the rest of the show. So. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, Hogan tells us they're going to play real American when the match is over, not country, and uh, goes into a bunch of Elvis puns, says honky ain't nothing but a hound dog and all that shit. Oh, and we yeah. can do it He's again later, too. Step so. all over his blue suede shoes. Right. And then these pythons uh, will drive away with the title, brother. Great. Right. And then we go to the open. So we get the... Yeah, we get the intro theme here, which I think at this point at least is the original theme for this one, because the early Saturday nights were obsession but they had yeah. already been replaced at this point by, I think, according to Wikipedia, Douglas Grandma, his uh, song Saturday Night's Main Event. So it was a theme song okay. that they produced for this. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So anyways, it is what it is. It's kind of a recognizable song. They'd used it for other things, I think, in years after this. Okay. Um, yeah. Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura are your commentary team. Uh, Vince calls it a special summertime event. And uh, they're on a terrible green screen. Yeah. This is also this is the first summertime Saturday night's main event. Cause all the years ah. before this, they've done it for four years, but it's always gone from may all the way to like September, or October yeah. before you right. get another one. And so this is their first like summertime one. Uh, but yeah, it's the centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts. And like you said, the green screen here is, it would be fine if they could have just found a way to stabilize the shot that they're using as the background a little better. Cause it's just constantly yeah. bouncing, which makes them look like they're on a trampoline. Exactly. And, um, and the reasoning I would imagine I would say for this being the first time they've done it in the summer is that SummerSlam itself has only existed for like one year at this oh, point. Oh, so okay. Makes sense. So probably once they so now they're you know adding it to everything. But yeah, Vince runs down the card. We kind of just went through it. It's you know, the people you just heard from. Uh Ventura wants to see Macho and Beefcake. And then we go to the honky tonk man's greatest hits. Yeah, they just show us video of honky tonk clattering dudes with guitars. The last seemingly it, it looks like they started with gimmick guitars and in the last like year have given up on that because he's just got a full on hard ass acoustic guitar that he cracks like Brutus and Superfly with and then that he's going to use tonight. It, it looks yeah. like there is no no give to this guitar. They may have just found a way to make it look more legit too. I don't know. That might be. You know? Maybe they, yeah, maybe they don't want it to fall apart every time you hit somebody like like Jeff Jarrett's. 
but you know, Jeff Jarrett like taps you and the thing explodes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I liked that again. Another great way to, if there is a new audience, you know, you're very mm-hmm. clearly showing, hey, this guy, this is what he's all about, and he's gonna fight, you know, the white knight Hulk Hogan. Or and it's one of those things too, where I think because they're in a time slot that they're not normally in, it's a special. It makes sense that they then go to the match that's going to have the most name recognition. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're going to, if you tune in, you're going to get to see Hulk Hogan wrestle right away. Like, we're right. going straight like, to that match. If you thought this was going to be Saturday Night Live, maybe this will catch your attention. And if you left the TV on after the 11 o'clock news, you know, maybe yeah. we'll hold you with this. So, exactly. No, I mean, this is, yeah, it seems odd to us now and what we've kind of been, you know, conditioned as far as the production of a wrestling show, you know, mm-hmm. TV wrestling goes. But, this is kind of how they used to do things. You well, know, this it's it's the reverse pyramid mode of like news does. Like you start off yes. with your main thing, and then as you go through the show, it's less, you know, it may, it, it matters less if you were to tune out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, so we go to Mean Gene, who's with Honky Tonk Man. Even though we just heard from him in the open for a promo, he's got another <laughs> promo now. Uh, he gets sure he makes sure to call Mean Gene a for or Mean Gene makes sure to call Honky Tonk the former champion even when Honky Tonk's calling himself the greatest of all time. Uh, Honky says that he's true to his fans, so don't be cruel, Gene. Colonel Jimmy Hart, you know what I like best about the summer? No, Honky, tell me! After the summer comes the fall, Hulk Hogan's fall. Hogan, my guitar is tuned, so you get ready to face the music. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I mean, he's a wrestler named the Honky Tonk Man. Like, that... It might sound ridiculous, but it's perfect. You know, like that's, <laughs> I, I love it. Do you know, was was Jimmy Hart going by the name Colonel for very long? I don't remember a lot of references to Colonel Jimmy Hart, but that blew me away when it's, Hogan starts calling him that. It's just a thing with the Honky Talk Man, and it's a play oh, yeah. on Elvis Presley's manager, Colonel Parker. Oh, wait. Elvis Presley had a manager that was named Colonel Parker, so that's where Colonel Robert Parker's names come from? Kind of, because in WCW, they I think it there's a time where they try to play on him being in the family tree of the actual uh, okay. colonel that managed Elvis. And so yeah, that's what Jimmy Hart's play on it is right there. I think he also w- did this during Rhythm and Blues. I think he might have also still been like doing the colonel Jimmy Hart thing. Yeah. So Jimmy, of course, makes sure to get... If Honky's going to sing a few lines, he's going to sing some of the lines of the promo as well. Um, I wish he'd sing us a few lines from that big hit he had back in 19, <laughs> whatever the hell it is. He tells that million you seller? Stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he, uh, they tell us that they're going to turn the Hulkamaniacs into Honky Maniacs tonight, and then they head out towards the ring. Yeah. So yeah. Match and, one, I guess I'll go ahead and just say, Jimmy Hart uh, accompanying the uh, Mr. Honky Tonk Man, taking on Hulk Hogan, who's the champion. This is for the title belt. Yeah, for the belt. Which is kind of crazy. Um, McMahon says Honky Tonk Man is the number one contender. I have no idea how that happened, but I mean, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. This is back before you had to really keep track of numbers. Just say that you know, oh, he's been winning matches on those house shows, <laughs> right? Um, and now we go to a pre-entrance interview with Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene. Oh yeah, and Gene, of course, has to make mention of the fact that No Holds Barred has recently come out and that Zeus is is here as well. 
What do you know mean, Gene? This is just the way I like it, brother. I like all these things going on. Ever since I won the WWF championship belt, it's been no holds barred all through the WWF. The World Wrestling Federation Championship is my number one priority. I will never forget that. My Hulkamaniacs will never forget it. And I want to make darn sure that you, mean Gene, you never forget that. What's, what's up with the aggression towards Mean Gene? I will say, he's, Gene, like, go ahead. He's aggressive to Mean Gene all night. Like, later on, he'll yep. get on him as well, but it's weird. Well, because I'll say, it's something that I've noticed as we watch more and more of Mean Gene, is that sometimes he can, like I mentioned, I don't remember what show it was we did recently, where the guys are done, and Gene has, like, a follow-up <laughs> question. It's like, no, there's no follow-up questions. Because oh. Gene goes on, like, a hundred-question thing here, where he's just laying it up for Hulk. He, this you know it's like fucking oh, yeah. takes forever like it's like do you hear hulk hogan he is so high on cocaine right now like he wants to run <laughs> through a brick wall like get to the fucking oh. end of your question so he can go on a crazy tirade i just love ever since i won the title belt there's we've had it's been ecw and in, in the wwf no holds barred for every match i was like i don't, I don't know if that's true uh but yeah gene follows up fo- focusing on tonight's match about colonel jimmy hart and uh, he says, well, I hope that, you know, I hope Honky Tonk's in the best shape of his life, Mean Gene. That's what the championship is all about. And he's like, you know, Honky was a champion at one time, so I know you know what it's all about. But with my Hulkamaniacs, I'm leaving with the title. And then he just goes, I'm all fired up. I got to go. <laughs> runs yeah. Off. God, yeah. Before Gene asks another damn question, it's like, <laughs> it's enough. Um, so, yeah. So oh. here comes the champion, Hulk Hogan. Crowd's quite happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honky Tonk Man, though, swings the guitar at Hulk. Before he can enter the ring, I liked that. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and like that just like puts an end to listening to Real, Real American. We just get right into this. Uh, Hogan pulls Honky out of the ring, starts punching him. Hulk gives Jimmy Hart a piggyback ride after he jumped on his back into the ring. Uh, yeah, he somebody, backs him into the corner turnbuckle to knock him off. Somebody likes fighting on the outside of the ring. That I also feel like would be a a non wrestling fan TV executive that would be like, Oh man, I, I just love when they fight around the ring in front of the fans. Cause every match it's like ECW. I swear. I think every match spills the floor. If not right at the very beginning, it does at some point. I hadn't match. thought about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. They Goodness. get right up against the fans and oh, this looks so great on TV. So, so Hogan's able to dodge a second guitar shot. He runs honky off the turnbuckles, delivers some right hand punches, then a clothesline to honky. And Honky begins begging off as the body mentions how Hulk hasn't even taken his shirt off yet. And just as he does that, Hogan rips his shirt off and Vince promotes the fact that he's over 300 pounds of muscle. Yeah, but you're probably pushing it a little bit there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we get the shirt is off. We get a double noggin knocker on Hart and the Honky Tonk Man. We go back to the floor. And also the matches, this is another thing I just feel like wrestling people would be not happy about. The refs on this night, folks, are just there to count the three. Pretty much. In multiple matches, like the shit that these people get away with, there is a disqualification later, but I was just amazed. Jimmy Hart sneaks up with the guitar and hits Hulk Hogan in the back. They say the ref wasn't looking. (laughs) I call bullshit. (laughs) Looked like it was right in front of the ref. Oh, and that was what that was the point where I was like, this is not a gimmick guitar. I don't know why not, because that thing just bounces off of the back of the dude's skull. Um uh, yeah, Honky Tonk Man takes advantage with a double axe handle off the apron to the back of Hogan and rolls him into the ring. Uh, he drops some knees onto the back of the Hulkster. Uh, but Hogan stands up with Honky on his back, and Hogan would ran him face first into the turnbuckle, kind of ran and ducked, and Honky Tonk Man is mm-hmm. you know, knocked from the back of Hogan 
and then a double clothesline would see both men on their backs. Yeah. Hogan, he, he begins driving knees into the back of, of Honky here, or the, it might be the other way around, uh, yeah, because then Honky locks on the laziest camel clutch you've ever seen, which I think the body called like a, 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 chi, a Boston crab chin lock, which was yeah. weird. Is that? Uh, did you? Or no, the Boston Crab chin lock thing is later. But this this is a very yeah. lazy camel clutcher because he's got his one leg down on his knee while the other one's up. It's like the Steiner recliner, but without actually reclining. Um, <laughs> Hogan powers to his feet, runs Honky into the turnbuckle, like you said, to get free. Then we get the clothesline. They're both down. Vince says, "Here comes the shake, rattle, and roll," and Honky hits it. Yeah. But because he's Honky Tonk Man and he knows that Hogan's about to kick out of this, he is going to take his goddamn time before he decides to pin him, and he jaws at the crowd for a while. Yeah, no, I loved it. I don't know if it was supposed to be like that, but good job on Honky's part there, protecting his finisher. Oh, yeah. um, he taunts and doesn't pin him. Vince didn't sound thrilled as they were questioning the decision on commentary. Um, he eventually does cover the holster, who kicks out, and then begins hulking up. I at least thought, and I don't know, maybe Hogan likes the Honky Tonk Man. I've heard he does. Like, a lot of guys, he they hit their finisher, and Hogan just stands up and starts hulking up. Yeah. You know, like, he at least laid there and took a pin attempt before he started hulking up. That's true. And, yeah, there's not a lot to, to this match as far as that goes because Hogan begins hulking up. He hits punches. A big boot sends Honky through the ropes to the floor. And this is when Hogan blocks a Jimmy Hart guitar shot and then grabs the guitar and hits the manager with it. Yeah. Okay, whatever. But then in full view of the referee, like referee standing there three feet away watching him, Hulk yeah. turns and cracks Honky with it as he's halfway back into the ring and the ref gives zero shits. But remember, everything's no holds barred now that Hogan's the champ. So, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Hogan would then hit the leg drop and get the one, two, three. And listen, this is the stuff. This is why Bobby Heenan always screams about mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan being a no good, cheating son of a whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you go back and you watch all these matches, and he absolutely cheats and wins all the time during this babyface oh, yeah. run. Yep. So. Oh, absolutely. It's, it was so funny because when we first started doing the show, I would think when we'd see him as the NWO Hulk, and I'd be like, oh, man, he's doing a lot of back rakes and, and eye pokes. Right. And it's like, well, shit, if you go watch Hulkamania, he's doing <laughs> back rakes and eye pokes then. Yeah, oh. not much changed. Uh, but, yeah, the match itself, you know, the crowd is really hot for it. They love seeing Hogan get the win. Um <laughs> Hogan. And then you you oh. love this. You sent the gift of this. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he does a mocking dance to Honky Tonk. I didn't realize that it was a mocking dance at first because it also doesn't necessarily look exactly like what Honky does. Right. He's just like, he's got both hands out like he's like not sure and he's just shaking his ass and it cracked me up, man. Now, if this was just a dance that like he thought was cool, that would be even better. <laughs> like if he wasn't mocking the Honky Tonk man, it'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we go to commercial. Well, they go to commercial, whatever. We come back from the break, and Hulk is still celebrating. And this, I do think he is just, you got to drag me out of there. You know, like, I don't, <laughs> like what, what are you still doing out there? The he fucking doesn't... next match is about to start. Ronnie Garvin's already in the ring. Yes, I'll say he waits till Garvin gets in the ring before he even leaves. Like, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Is that like a Hogan rub? Is he trying to be nice to, I don't know. Anyway, so, you know, Hogan must pose. Uh, Ventura calls him a camera hog. And doesn't he know we have more matches? Oh, yeah. So then, as, as you know, they turn off the real American music, and now it's time to, kind of like we saw the, the Honky Tonk Man's greatest hits, it's time to fill everybody in on the Greg Valentine, Ronnie Garvin storyline. Because I guess they think people give a shit. <laughs> well, I mean, it does make sense. Like, 
it would be a little weird to just have this without any sort of explaining. Oh, I know. You yeah, could have had right. the announcers explain it as the match was happening, but yeah. <laughs> so Valentine beat Ronnie Garvin in a retirement match. Garvin then became a referee to get around having to retire so he could, you know, stay on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. But, however, he's he's not a great ref. He he gets in the face of these guys and fights back if he's provoked. Ventura mm-hmm. says it's indespicable. But he would become a referee, an excellent referee, one that you don't shove around or you pay the consequences. That is indespicable right there, McMahon, a referee hitting a wrestler. It's like... Do you know what words mean? Yeah, I was I was like, indespicable one either isn't a word, or if it is, it means the opposite of despicable, so I don't understand. <laughs> oh, God, that's awesome. Yeah, but Jack Tunney. We get a Jack Tunney appearance here, who actually uh, speaks out on you know against this and alerts Ronnie Garver <laughs> that his unprofessional conduct will not be tolerated, and uh, you know suspensions, fines, whatever may be in line if it continues. Yeah, I think they, they they mentioned that he had been warned, and then they show him fighting Dino Bravo, just like in a straight-up fucking fist fight in the middle of the ring. And then Jack Tunney's like, now, if you do it again, it's going to be a long suspension next time. <laughs> yeah, so don't mess around. But anyways, that takes us to match number two. It's Greg the Hammer Valentine taking on the murderer, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, with special referee Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, and... Greg Valentine comes out, immediately starts giving Garvin a tongue lashing as he's getting in the ring, just yelling at him. Superfly comes out. The fans love him, of course. This is before, oh, yeah. you know, it was common knowledge, the fact that well, he murdered someone. Yeah. Uh, and then Valentine attacks Superfly from behind before the bell even rings. Yeah. Um, yeah, evil Valentine here. He's getting a chop and then a running forearm on Snooka. <laughs> I, you uh, you pointed yes. out like the spilling to the outside. I think also just like quick starts to the match. Like we're not going to have a lockup tonight. We got we only got an hour, guys. We got to get shit yeah. done. Yeah, no, it's a very tight show. I love it. Um, Greg chokes Snooka and then beats him against the ropes. He's in full control here. Uh, Snooka though mounts a comeback with a leapfrog followed by a big chop that drops Valentine. Uh, we get a flying headbutt from Snooka, and then he would go to the second rope, but the hammer would get his knees up. With a shin guard, he catches him in the and, in the head. And a shin guard, yeah. Yeah, and the announcers start discussing if that shin guard is a weapon or not, and uh, we get some you know racism about the hard-headedness of Superfly Valentine with repeated elbow drops for a two-count. He then sends Snooka tumbling to the floor with a kick. Garvin starts counting. Snooka is able to get back in by eight, but just as he's about to get back in, Valentine kicks him and knocks him back down. And this happens the second time. And yeah. a third and time, Garvin's getting and Garvin's getting on <laughs> in the hammer after each one of these. Yes, and after the third one, this time Garvin says that's enough, and he just shoves him. Even before Valentine, like Valentine doesn't physically provoke him, but Garvin shoves him and says he'll throw him out if he does it again. Yep. So Snooka climbs to the top rope as Valentine is distracted, and Garvin hits Valentine, and Snooka then comes off with the crossbody for the one, two, three. Your winner. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Yeah. So Garvin's going to have some shit to deal with on their next show, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He backdropped Greg Valentine out of the ring after the match. Yeah, to the floor. Sent him all the way down. Uh, yeah, Ventura tells us, good luck in, re- in retirement. This is the last time we're going to see rugged Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, Ventura can be taxing. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, because I even noticed this when I was watching all those Saturday nights with him and Tony Schiavone. On one hand, I appreciate, like, the heel announcer calling out, like, 
the double standards when it comes to, but man, he just never stops. Like when he gets going on something like, Oh, yeah. you think that's okay, McMahon. It's okay. When you know, it's like, yeah, he just doesn't stop. And Vince has nothing really to say to it. Shivani was the same way when he was in WCW. It's like, okay, Jesse, like, my Johnny B. Bad matches in WCW Saturday Night are <laughs> are awful to watch because he just bitches about his closed fist finisher the whole match. Oh, the whole okay. match he talked about. I don't know. He just and in this show, man, he just drove me crazy. That's that's understandable. So yeah, the Superfly and Garvin remain on guard in case Villain Valentine tries any more cheap shots, but eventually he takes off and it's time. To head to the break, as Vince says, coming up next, the Barber versus Macho Man. And we come back with the hype video for the Brother Love show, where we see Sherry talking shit to the Barber, and that's when Macho attacked him from behind. They pulled out the shears, and they cut the Barber's hair. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't shave him bald, but they definitely they cut off his locks. Um, Ventura is with them now live, and... Uh, you know, he even mentions that Beefcake got what he deserved. Uh, Macho says he didn't do it for Jesse or the fans. He did it for <laughs> Sensational Sherry. And, uh, you know, in response to, you know, his manager being insulted by the barber. Yeah, I, I love that. I loved where he was, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, there's we're going to see a lot of Macho and Ventura interaction tonight. And and mm-hmm. all of it, I think, is really good. I like it a lot. Um, but, but I like the fact that they're very, like, over complimentary of each other. But at the same time, like... Macho's just like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> He's like, I didn't right. do it for you. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Sherry then says that nothing, she doesn't say a lot. She just says she's proud right. to have Macho defending her honor. Uh, but this upcoming match is for me, says Macho. He's upset because Hulk Hogan refuses to recognize him as the number one contender. And after tonight, he's going to have to recognize him as that. And Jesse says he's got some inside sources that say Macho's got a surprise in store. Gonna have to recognize the Macho Man as the number one contender. Dig it? Yeah. Macho Man, my inside sources say you're planning some sort of surprise. What is it? A surprise? Jesse the Body, you're a journalist, so you have to ask questions like that. Yeah. But I can't you. tell you right now. But I will promise you one thing. In a little while, you may know. Yeah. But first... I'm going to destroy Beefcake and then one more step closer to Hogan. And and don't worry. Ventura is so excited that he knows what the surprise is that he ruins it before it even happens later in the night. Yeah. Yeah, he will. (laughs) But I I love I love that. I know you're a journalist, so you got to ask those questions, but I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I I just want to thank the Macho Man for understanding the job of the media, because that is exactly what needs to be said more often <laughs> people getting asked questions that they should be getting asked and then just getting mad that they're being asked these questions and people defending the anyways i will no i understand what you're saying for sure match number uh, three it's macho man with sensational sherry battling brutus the barber beefcake yeah with sensation yeah sensational sherry accompanying the macho man but first we have to get a barber interview oh boy <laughs> Dude, so Gene says, you know, Brutus, we've just heard that there might be a surprise coming up for you here from the Macho Man. And Brutus says, I'm already surprised. I'm surprised that the cameras didn't break in the last segment when they saw the face of Scary Sherry. He's doing this weird whisper thing, and I I don't know why. I don't. Yeah, I don't. 
Savage and Scary Sherry are gonna pay for what they did to my hair. A man's what? hair has to make a statement, Mean Gene. Do you know what my hair is saying right now? Really? I, I don't hear anything, Brutus. Your ears are too sharp, Mean Gene. Because my hair is saying that Brutus the Barber is a cut above the rest. I'm not worried about Savage and Sherry Sherry. No, because the barber always has the edge. All right, I, I don't hear what Brutus's hair is saying, but I must admit I do hear him loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. It was so I was like, uh, did, did Jake the Snake just get fired for some reason? And Brutus <laughs> like, I'm gonna move in on this style. Yeah, I'm not sure what the whisper deal is there. You're right, though. He definitely is. Um, yeah, he's going to pay. They're, they're going to pay. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing too great here. Yeah, you he, know what else I, he's totally not yeah. worried about them. Brutus the Barber, no. he's, he's above macho, man. That fucking macho. Sure. Why, would I be care, why would I care about that? Yeah, former WWF champion. No big deal. <laughs> um, I also realized something upon watching this, that the Brutus the Barber beefcake music is an early version of what would become Owen Hart's music. Years oh, really? Later. Well, like it just has it's like, it's really like a different tune or whatever you would say, but yeah. it's definitely a precursor to the Owen Hart theme music. Nice. I, I, I didn't make the connection, but that's interesting. So we go back to the arena, and the fans are cheering as Beefcake heads to the ring. However, Macho and Sherry try to get in the ring, but Barber keeps threatening them with shears, so they can't get in the ring to start this match. Yeah, I mean, it's like, hey, what do you... Okay, I guess. Um, and then as soon as Macho gets in the ring, he gets thrown over the top rope by the barber. Yeah. Well, I, I felt like that was them saying, like, we're not like the w, the NWA. Boom. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, again, we start the match by going out of the ring. Um, barber gives chase to Sherry. Because, again, it's not very babyface-like. But anyways, um, Macho attacked him, though, um, just as he got his hands on her. Um, it's it's because, you know, Sherry has has done some illegal punches in the past on people. So that means she's allowed to be treated like complete trash and we can just be yes. mean and, and do terrible things to her. She must be beaten. Um, Barber takes his jacket off and chokes the Macho Man with it again. Just wow. What a shining example for the children out there. <laughs> oh, Macho tries for a kick, but Brutus catches that and then hits a punch and covers him for a two count. Uh, Randy gets a boot up to the gut as uh, there was a charge to the corner there. Hits some punches, whips the barber into the corner, but misses with the follow through. And this is when Beefcake hits a high cross body on Macho for a two count again. Sherry, however, gets on the apron and distracts the barber as she was, you know, giving him a jawing. And and uh, Barber sees Macho coming, however, and hits right. him right in the gut. Nothing works on this guy. You can't even cheat against him. No, he's. I mean, it's you know, he's he's he learns from the best. Him and Hogan, that you, you can't you can't beat him. Uh-uh. The high knee from the barber almost gets a pin, but Macho is still able to kick out. Yeah, um, Barber then would go out after the Macho Man, who left the ring, or I mean, after he got knocked off the apron. Uh, barber gives chase. Sherry though is pulled in front of him. To you know, Macho Man uses Sherry to protect himself. Uh, Sherry grabs the foot of the barber as he was getting back to the ring and Macho would take advantage of that and then toss barber back to the floor. Uh, Macho man goes up top and comes off to the floor with the axe handle. Uh, Sherry delivers kicks to the ribs of the barber while he's on the mat. Uh, Macho would eventually go back to the outside of the ring and kick barber in the ribs as well. 
Hey, McMahon. Uh, hey, McMahon. You know what I like about Shiri? You can take her into a dark alley. Right. I was sure. like, what? Why are, why are you? Bre-? And then Vince is like, oh, of course, she would scare away everyone. And I was like, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> I know. Uh, Sherry would run her spiked heel into the head of Beefcake and then would get up on the apron as Barber, uh, you know, Barber gets into the ring and then Sherry's on the apron just as he rolls the Macho Man up out of nowhere. But the ref, of course, is unavailable to make the count. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She distracts the referee there. Savage gets free. hits the clothesline for a two count. We get a backslide by the Barber for another close call for the Macho. Macho then begins choking the Barber right in the middle of the ring. And we get some more cheating from Sherry. She's choking the barber on the apron using her stocking that she's removed. Yeah, and then puts it back on. Yes, yeah. We get a shot of her putting it back on. Um, <laughs> Macho climbs the corner. Looks like he's going for an axe handle, but the barber hits the counter punch to the gut. We get more haymakers, a clothesline by the beefer, but Sherry grabs his hair and holds him, and Macho goes for the high knee, but... Beefer ducks out of it. Macho hits Sherry, sending her to the floor off the apron. Savage then dodges the corner splash from Beef, and we see Sherry selling like crazy outside of the ring. Savage gets... Good. She's not even out, though. Like, that's not even the end of her, like, involvement in the match. No. Yeah, she's just just hurt for a minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we get another back back body drop. Yeah, Barber hits a big back body drop that sends Savage to the floor. Sherry would help him to his feet, and Macho sends her to the back. And I mean, the second he points her to the bag, Ventura's like, I bet she's going to get Zeus. It's like, uh, what? Yeah. Like, I was like, why wouldn't you play it up like he's sick of her wrestling up the, the match and yeah. going to the back? Like the way that the crowd is probably interpreting this. Like, nope. Let's just like, give up why not, why not just let surprised. us be surprised? Like you didn't promote a surprise. Like, yeah. it's fine. We're already here. Anyways, so... That's going on. Macho Man with a snap mare, but he misses well, like, the knee drop. He sends her to the back. They go to a commercial break, and then we right. come back with like the match continue. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stun gun from Macho dropping Barber across the top rope. Gets a two count, and then here he comes. Sherry and Debo on their way to the ring. Uh, not quickly. Like it, It'll be no. a minute. Um, Barber hits a, a sunset flip and gets a two count. Um, Barber then would catch macho in a sleeper hold because zeus just comes out and stands there for a minute like he doesn't get involved right away yeah (laughs) well ventura is saying you know it's it's totally fine because he's going to be macho's tag team partner at SummerSlam. so why wouldn't he be allowed out here yeah i mean he's kind of got something i mean hogan's not out there but whatever right uh but zeus would get involved breaking up the sleeper hold from barber and that would result in a dq victory for the barber Mm mm-hmm um but that we're far from done because we have a bear hug from Zeus on Beefcake and Hogan finally decides to come make the save. I don't know what the hell he was doing back there. Yeah. He comes out, gets Beefer free, but his punches do nothing to Zeus. Hogan tries choking him. Of course, that's that's his second go. A punch didn't work. I won't do a big boot or any wrestling move. Let me choke you. <laughs> but Zeus applies yeah. the bear hug. And this allows Savage to deliver the double axe handle to Hulk's back while he's in the bear hug. The bell is just ringing like crazy as, you know, the match has been thrown out. Uh, Macho grabs the scissors of the barber and they want to go to cut Hogan's hair. But the barber gets the save and sends uh, the faces throw Savage to the floor. Yeah. And then so now Hogan, you know, now Hogan has to make the save. Like, you can't just leave it at barber saving him. No, mm-hmm. no. 
Because now Barbara's in a bear hug. <laughs> and Hogan uses a chair to break it up, of course. Um, the chair shots have no effect on Zeus. They then both grab chairs. Yeah, it has enough effect to make him stop holding it, but then after he <laughs> right. stops holding it, he just smiles at them every time they hit him. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's not great. Um, they both grab chairs. Macho and Sherry try to get Zeus out of the ring, and they kind of do. And then, uh, yeah, so that's the end of that. And then Ventura is with the the wild ones here. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they, they, they promote, you know, coming up, there's going to be this tag team match. Uh, Ventura's backstage. He says this is the first time Hogan's been handled like a paper doll. And Zeus is going to scream every time oh, that yeah. Macho Man touches him. And I think maybe that was his cue to do it, but it is annoying. And it I, I just cut together him screaming over some of Macho's promo. He screams over some of Sherry's promo. And then he delivers a bit of a promo of his own. Of the human wrecking machine. Ah! I'm telling you something right now. Mr. Beefcake, look out there. What? Ah! What? Ah! Oh, Hulk Hogan, you committed ah! this. You are nothing. Talk to me, Zeus. What do you think? Hulk Hogan, you ain't nothing. And Beefcake, you left than nothing. We are. There's just so much like slapping and and grunting going on during this. I just based on the stories that like Bruce Pritchard's told about like working with you know Tony Lister about or Tony Lister about this, it's didn't always just like get it. So it's like you know sometimes <laughs> if it, he's probably just like they told me to slap my chest, I'm just gonna slap my chest and scream. Um, but no, it's hilarious and it is very distracting. And he looks like he's hurting himself, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, he hits himself real hard. And then, like, that last line when he's talking about, like, beef cake, he's just drooling out of his mouth while he's screaming. It's it's wild. Oh. But yeah. Sherry says, Hogan is nothing. You will regret the decision to stumble into our culture of madness. Zeus screams about him being less than nothing and slobbers a whole bunch as well. And then we go to Macho, who finishes it off by saying that the future of Hulkamania is dead. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we see Arn Anderson and Kelly Blanchard are already in the ring. And we go to what happened at the last Saturday Night's main event, where the team of Demolition were disqualified, allowing them to retain their championships in a match with the Brainbusters. Mm-hmm. Very face-like. Yeah, I know. It just doesn't make any sense. Demolition <laughs> then has a promo here. Axe says Heenan can't interfere in three falls. I'm like, yeah, he, he could. If he wanted I, I was going to say, I mean, I guess maybe after if he did it once, the ref would throw him away from the ringside maybe. but Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand the logic there. Yeah, and then Smash, uh, you know, just screams a bunch of nonsense and says, Pop goes the weasel. All right, Smash, any special strategy for this match? Sure, me, Gene. That's total destruction for the brain busters and Heenan. Pop me the brain, Heenan. If I get my hands on you. It's pop goes the weasel. Come on, Axe. It's war. It's D-Day. It's e for demolition. <laughs> All right, Vince. This could prove to be the greatest victory for the good guys since the invasion of Grenada. Back to you. Weird I, reference there. <laughs> yeah. I, you do get to hear their amazing entrance music, though. Oh, yeah. Which I do, which I do love. The demol- So, yeah. Match four for the WWF Tag Team Championships. It's two out of three falls. The Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard with Bobby the Brain Heenan, 
taking on Demolition, Axe and Smash, your current champions. Yeah. And there's fans in Demolition face paint as they make their way out. Here comes the Axe. Here comes the Smasher. Total disaster, whatever the fuck. Tully with a, a cheap shot, though, for Smash right off the top. And this allows the match <laughs> to begin. He avoids a yeah. clothesline after being he thrown into the ropes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, he would pay dearly for that attack because Tully gets a lot of the ass kicking in this match. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Smash is on the floor and throws Tully back in the ring after he was thrown out of the ring. Uh, uh, Tully then takes punches from both baby faces, getting punched back and forth. We get a hip toss by Axe. And then Ventura says that Tully needs to tag out already. Uh, Axe fights out of the heel corner and Arn pulls him to the floor and delivers punches. And the faces get the advantage once again with clotheslines for both of them on the floor. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I see. Yeah, so we get um, back in the ring, I guess. Snapmare from Arn, but Smash blocks the stomp. Um, he stood up with Arn's foot in his hand and just pushed him over backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arn is then laid across the top rope and Demolition just pummel him while he's off his feet. Anderson, though, comes back with a knee of spa- attacks the knee of Smash. Blanchard is now back in and is caught in a bear hug until he escapes the rake of the eyes. Anderson tags back in now and totally drop kicks the cross body. Arn what? was caught. You know, Arn was caught in a cross body until he drop kicked him. So he toppled over on top of Real Smash quick, there. That yeah. when the uh, when Demolition had Arn in their corner, Axe tagged in, both men beat on Arn, and then Axe got back out of the ring and Smash is like, oh, okay, and just stays in. <laughs> I was like, guys, the referee even like acknowledged the tag. What the fuck? I feel like Vince might have even commented on that one because yes. there, I think there was a couple of times that <laughs> would happen. Yeah, Vince Vince pointed it out as well. Uh, but yeah, the fans are loving the bear hug there, but Tully's able to poke him in the eye to get free. Yeah. So um, we have Tully choking Smash in the corner. Arn is now in, hits the beautiful Spine Buster, but only gets a two. Axe now is in. And he, well, he's, Axe comes in to stop a double team, but just makes it worse by distracting the referee. Axe, though, eventually pulls Tully down by his hair from the apron. Um, and then smashes a clothesline and pins Anderson for the first fall. So, yeah. Good amount of confusion there. Smash picking up the first victory for Demolition. Axe now enters the match and takes Arn Anderson down. Now, Arn went, yes. I'm only pointing this out because of what's going to happen later, but they take a commercial break after that first fall. So there are commercial mm-hmm. breaks during this match. It's not like we didn't have commercial breaks that we were holding oh, no. off on, but we're going to end up oh, yeah. having like three of them in the last 30 seconds of the show. Yeah, and my level of peacock, I watch all of those commercial breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, Axe now is in, takes Arn down. Arn goes face first into the boot of Smash, and he tags in, so we're getting quick tags again. Um, Smash beats Anderson down and cranks his neck. In comes Axe, who drops Arn across the top rope. You know, stun gun style. We then get a snapmare and a neck crank from Axe. So they're, that's the thing, apparently, the neck crank submission. A lot of uh, neck Ar- cranking. Yeah, Arn would escape and tag Tully Blanchard into the matchup. I also, I love, uh, uh, while he's got the uh, the neck crank on, he's yelling at Heenan, and Vince laughs when we see Heenan looking worried here. Uh, and I just also wanted to point out, like, I just love Bobby Heenan's purple polyester suit that he is wearing here. It looks so fucking, like... Just fake, but also just perfect for his character. Um, oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so where were we at here? Tully just tagged in. Okay, so Tully's in, stomps on Axe, catapults the throat into the bottom rope. Tully then distracts the ref, allowing Arn to attack him from the floor. Uh, in comes Arn. 
And even Heenan gets a cheap shot on Axe. Uh, Buster's double-team Axe when the ref wasn't looking. Axe, however, is able to retreat to the floor eventually. He's attacked by Tully, who throws him right back into the ring. And this is when we get the camel clutch by Arm that Vin- Arn that Ventura calls the almost Boston Crab Chinlock. <laughs> Which I have no idea what he's even talking about. Like, no one's ever said that before. I've never yeah, heard no of a one... Boston Crab in reference to a head ever. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, you know, Bobby's getting involved in the action at this point. Um, totally tags back in, but his dropped and smash comes in. We get a house of fire from Smash taking out both Brain Busters. Uh, Smash with a press slam on Tully. Bobby Heenan was sent into the ring post while on the apron. And we see the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant, making his way to the ring. Oh, yeah. Fans went nuts, by the way, when Heenan took that bump into the the ring post. Andre the Giant, by the way, folks, is going to come to the ring and sit in a chair and... That's pretty just watch much for a minute. Yeah. Until the end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Andre's there uh, acts with a guillotine elbow drop on Tully, but the ref says that's a disqualifying move. And cause it was a double team, I guess. And so the brain busters get a fall. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's not a rule that's enforced a whole lot, but it, you know, that works. So yeah, it's one to one and there's two out of three falls. match. We've now. had chair shots and, and guitar shots that didn't get a disqualification, but that, that double right. team there, that was just too much. Yep. Another commercial uh, yeah, break so, after the second fall, by the way. Right. Andre is taking a seat next to Howard Finkel, which just made me laugh. Um, Axe runs the face of Tully into the boot of smash, smash and tossed Tully to the outside. Axe rolls him back in. Like they're just, what are you doing? Stop throwing people out of the ring. Axe now tags into the match. It's a back elbow. Um, Tully, though, turns the tide, running the head of Axe into the head of Arn for some weird reason, and both men are down. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand. Like, he was, like, using Arn as a weapon there or something. It was just kind of interesting. It, yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm not sure sure what was going on there. Yeah, uh, Anderson makes the tag and brawls with Axe. Arn hit his head on the turnbuckle and then collided with Axe, like, you know, back you know, bounced backwards and mm-hmm. they collide heads. And now both men are down. We get hot tags to Tully Blanchard and smash. Yeah. Smash throws Tully into the corner, then throws him into the other corner, delivers a big right hand. Axe throws Arn into the ring post on the floor. Uh, but Tully's able to get a hold of smash from behind. Arn then dives at him, but Axe got him free. Uh, then while the ref is distracted, Tully cracks smash with a chair that was given to him by Andre, the giant, and the heels are able to pin smash, and they win the tag team championships. So your winners, new champions, the Brain Busters, with Bobby Heenan. Yeah, pretty cool. It was cool to see this win. Um, you know, it's not a super long run, but it's still awesome to know that these guys, you know, at least carried the belts for even if it was a short time. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was cool. I was excited, to, and you don't always see the the heels winning main events, uh, so. It was fun True. to see that here, especially in the 80s there. But, uh, yeah, Heenan and the boys are celebrating with Andre as they head to the back. They're not going to stick around in the ring very long. Uh, no. And uh, we get replays of the finish. We then see Axe trying to bring Smash back, too. He's, you know, trying to get him awake. Uh, we then go backstage where Ventura is in the heel locker room just <laughs> with two guys that weren't even on the card, Haku and Rick Rude. Yeah, he's just hanging out with some of the Heenan family, asking them how excited they are about what just happened. Uh, Rude says it went down just like Bobby Heenan said it would. Um, and then at that point, Bobby busts in with a big hug for both men. <laughs> I just like Haku. 
like celebrating and being happy for him. Oh, he's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Heenan then says, you know, that was great. We're even more powerful. How do you feel at this moment of triumph for the tag team championship of the world? Two champions. Where they were bigger than us, they were more powerful, but we beat them with our brains, and we beat them with our brains. And yeah, the other guys start screaming, and you can't hear him, the rest of Heenan's promo. Um, then here come the Brainbusters as they're coming in. Tully's just l- losing his mind, going, "We did it! We did it!" Haku lifts Tully up in the air in celebration, which I loved. I just have here like Ventura gets nothing from Tully. No, but but thank God for Arn, who can still manage to like pull himself together and cut a great promo. Oh, Arn, he's not looking at the right camera, but he has a lot well, to you say. Know. Arn Anderson, what are you? Tully just why that champion? Why that champion? Just losing it, man. Oh, man. And then, as if we hadn't had enough of the Hulkster, Gene is now with Hulk Hogan and the barber. Oh, yeah. Because now we have to ask him about Zeus. And I, man, I kept thinking this show was ending, and it just keeps going at this point. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I think this is on purpose, especially like when Vince tosses to break. Yeah. And then they literally come back from break, and they're like, well, thanks for joining us. It's like, well, screw you. What was that commercial break about? <laughs> Oh, but yeah, so Mean Gene's got Hogan and Beefer there. Gene can't believe their actions related to Zeus, uh, you know, saying, you guys got chairs and stuff. The barber says that, you know, well, the vice grip of Zeus, it's the worst thing I've ever felt in my life. And this is when Hogan cuts him off and says, don't you tell, don't you explain yourself. Never have I seen a man smashed with a steel chair and show no reaction whatsoever. Hold on a second, Brutus. You don't have to stand out here and justify yourself to Mean Gene. The Hulkamaniacs, they gave us the green light to get through this thing, man. Whether we rise to the top together or whether we fall 20 leagues below the sea, brother, all they're going to remember when this thing is said and done is if we were good men or if we were bad men, if we fought with all of our heart or if we were weak and timid. But as far as you go, Mean Gene, we don't have to stand out here and justify ourselves for anything we did in the ring. <laughs> like, wait, so as long as the fans are cheering, we're allowed to do whatever the fuck we could. We could shoot somebody. And as, if fans are cheering, it's a good thing. I just didn't also feel like Gene's question was that offensive. Like, I no, I, I don't know that he was like accusing them of doing anything wrong. It was just like Barbara was literally just explaining like the course of events and Hogan's like, you don't have to tell him any of that. <laughs> we don't have to justify ourselves to you. Uh, Hogan okay. says, you know, he can speculate about the future of Hulkamania. He says he repeats the three demandments. He, oh, says, dude, he starts sputtering, just oh. sputtering. He says, I don't know if me and Beefcake are, are going to win or lose, but says now that we know the rule book is thrown out the door, we're going to give it everything we've got. Our priorities have changed, and Elizabeth, she's living this with us. I don't know how we're going to be able to keep her out of this thing. And Hogan says, if there's a freak accident from outer space and we go down, that the, the macho, we, have, we have to find a way to prevent the macho man from getting his hands on Elizabeth. And this is when Brutus makes it clear he's willing to murder everyone if it means keeping Liz from macho. 
<laughs> some freak act from somewhere out of space, you and I go down, and they get their hands on Elizabeth. How are we going to live with ourselves? What are you going to do, man, to prevent that? Oh, Hoster, if I got to go and cut down the main supports yeah. for the very building, yeah. bring it tumbling down, yeah. crashing right down, smother everybody, including ourselves. That's what I'm going to do. If I got to cut those ropes, hog tie those two in the center of the ring that's what i'm gonna do like, nothing's off the gonna, table for beefer <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna destroy the entire building and kill all of us just yes. to take these guys out smother I everyone just, i love how <laughs> i love how excited hogan gets listening to the barber like cut <laughs> promo Oh, man. As it gets crazier and crazier, he likes it more and more. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hogan says, we have to knock out Macho first and then go after Zeus and then we go after Sherry and gives him a what you're going to do when the beefcake yeah. and Elizabeth run wild on you. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, Jesse and Vince had oh, little to nothing. Another commercial break, by the way, before we go back to yeah. Jesse and Vince. Yeah. They don't really have much to say. It's kind of what you'd expect. And then another commercial. That one was the most, I was like, Jesus, guys. Like, you came yeah. back, said, oh, man, Jesse says Hogan and Beefcake are scared of Zeus, and that's literally, yeah. and then back to commercial break. Yep. But don't worry, that's there's that. more show to come, folks. And yep. when we come back, oh, we're just saying goodbye for 10 seconds. Yeah, Vince says we'll be back in October, which made me laugh because I'm betting that they taped it in October because the actual air date of the next Saturday Night's Main Event wasn't until October or November 25th. Oh, geez. Okay. So, Goodness. I bet they, they probably taped it in October and Vince just got mixed up. That would make sense. Ventura makes a joke about Vince already having a Halloween costume on and Vince is upset about that. And we get replays with the uh, music playing once again as we go to the end of the show. Yeah. So uh, that's Saturday night's main event, 1989, heading into SummerSlam of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, of course, we get the big tag team match of Hogan and Barber and Zeus and Macho. I mean, obviously, that's the main event because they gave them like 20 minutes of promo time oh, yeah. combined on this show. It's all of it. It's yes. I mean, whatever. I get it. It's the main event. So I, I, you know, I will say I was surprised to, you know, to have such a good match in the main event of this show, though, like the two out of three falls. I didn't expect to see that. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, easy watch if you're looking to check something out here. Uh, and actually, because this is Saturday night's main event and they didn't have tons of promos and, and TV stuff back in the day, Dave Meltzer does have some star ratings. Would you like to do some comparison, Tony? Oh, my God. Sure. All right. So we got match number one, Hulk Hogan versus the Honky Tonk Man for the WWF Championship. What did you give it? I gave it two stars. Okay. All right. I'm, that's fair. I think uh, Dave Meltzer, 0. 0.75 stars. He's a dick. Like <laughs> it was a fun match. The crowd was like crazy about it. Honky Tonk was great. So whatever. Yeah. Jimmy Snuka versus Greg Valentine. I gave it half a star. Oh, wow. Ding, ding, ding. Right on the money. Dave Meltzer, 0. 0.5 yeah. stars. Just wasn't much of a match. You know, it wasn't long. No, it was. I mean, a lot of this is angles, basically, instead of matches. Mm-hmm. But that one really was. And it was also an angle that they gave no other time to on the rest of the show. <laughs> uh, right. Beefcake versus Randy Savage with Sensational Sherry. Man, I wish this match hadn't ended in a disqualification because I was enjoying it. I gave it two and a half stars. That seems fair. Dave Meltzer liked it even more. 3.75 stars. Almost a four-star match for the beefer. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. I thought it was good. I know it was that good. Brain Busters versus Demolition. Two out of three falls. What'd you give it? Um, you know, listen, two out of three falls matches. These can sometimes be a little bit tedious. It lulled at times, but overall, you know, it's a fun match. I gave it three stars. I'm right there with you. Dave Meltzer, I'm guessing because he likes Arn and Tully a lot. Uh, 3.25 stars in this one. That's not that much of a difference. Yeah, no, it was it was solid. It was just. Whew, it it kind of it dragged a little bit well, at times, especially if you're if you're having to actually watch the commercial breaks. I can imagine right. that it would really yeah. start to drag on there. Um, yes, it does. If I have to see Jake from fucking State Farm one more time, I think I'm going to explode. <laughs> oh, the inmates at CageMatch.net have the show rated a 5.17 out of 10. Eleven votes have been cast. Here's just a few quick reviews here. Uh, Mizzle Assault Assault Ant wrote in 2020. Gave it a 3 out of 10. Said, awesome tag title match, but unfortunately the rest of the event is crap. It was a waste of Savage to make him look secondary to both Beefcake and Zeus, who are equally useless. Plus, what a lame challenger for Hogan. Well, okay. So he wasn't a fan. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another user in 2016 gave the show a 2 out of 10 and said, the idea of having Zeus around is ridiculous. I don't want to see film plot spill over into wrestling. He said, there's only so much you can get someone to believe. If a wrestler wants to stay in character outside of the ring, that's fine. If, you know, an athlete wants to come in, that's fine. But when you have someone coming out of film and TV, that's an unbearable idea. Why would they bring Zeus into this? Maybe you should find a new hobby. It sounds like you really just like <laughs> professional wrestling because I think Zeus is awesome. Like, what is there not to love about Zeus? I he mean, is- the problem is the fact that, like, if someone went and saw the movie... Then we have right. Zeus against Hulk Hogan, not against Rip Taylor. So, right. Luckily, nobody saw the movie, so they didn't really have to worry about that problem. Very true. <laughs> uh, last review I wanted to review just because it was the highest rated review here. Bastard 420 mm-hmm. in 2021 oh. gave it a 6 out of 10, saying a decent addition of main event, saying Brainbusters versus Demolition was pay-per-view quality, absolutely worth seeing. Beefcake versus Macho Man was okay, and the rest was mediocre. Okay. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I thought it was a fun watch. Obviously, anything, anytime you have these wrestling shows in an hour, sometimes it feels like there's nothing happening in an hour, but they really pack a lot into this one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it was a lot of fun to check out. Yeah, no, I enjoy this, you know, era of wrestling. It's, you know, fun and silly. And uh, yeah, the production on this show was amazing. I couldn't believe like how little time had passed at certain times in the show just because of how dense it was. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's our thoughts on uh, Saturday night's main event from July 29th of 1989. But, Tony, this isn't the end of us. We've got more shows to review. Where are we heading next week? Well, DP, next week we are going to uh, look back at a Money in the Bank cash-in mm-hmm. as the Money in the Bank pay-per-view is on the horizon. And uh, we're going back to June 30th of 2008 yeah. for an episode of Raw. I believe this is CM Punk cashing in here, correct? Is that what yep, decided that's on? right. Okay. I wanted to make sure, because we were kind of looking at some of the Dolph Ziggler ones as well, but this one is CM Punk in 2008, cashing in the money in the bank, winning the championship. Uh, it has to do with Edge also being involved with Batista, so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, exciting exciting to check that out next week, June 30th, 2008, Monday Night Raw. But in the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so on two places, both Facebook and Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. If you'd like to find us on Twitter, we're at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. 
You can follow me, Tony G, at Beyond Sanity 19. And we'll catch you next week, Raw, June 30th, 2008. Savage wants to invite you all to a summer barbecue, and we're gonna cook the world's biggest hot dog, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Ooh, yeah! Did you see all the news about like all the stuff that is being learned? Basically, they're just making tons of edits now on all these shows on Peacock. Oh, really? Like, yeah, what like, do you mean? JBL like, promos are getting cut off the show. Like, really? When he was being like a racist against oh, the Jesus. fucking Latino guys. I'm I'm curious if the Mexicals will be deleted at some point. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Oh, man, the hard copies of stuff. And although the, a lot of that stuff doesn't exist in hard copy, you know, it's going to be that much more valuable when all that shit disappears. What's that now? I just said the hard copies are going to be that much more valuable now as more mm-hmm. and more of this shit disappears. Oh, yeah. And, and some of it will end up being lost media. Like, it'll just be absolute lost media. Outside of maybe some, you know, people that might have the long wild histories of videos like the YouTubers mm. and stuff, but you know, that kind of shit will get struck down as soon as it gets posted. Probably. So that's true. Yeah, no, that sucks. We're going to talk a little bit about the network. Actually, if you're ready to talk about wrestling. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. That's a good segue into one of the things I wanted to talk about here. So the funny business going on with Peacock. So there was a Lex Luger documentary that was promoted. There were trailers. People were interviewed for it. this whole thing. They were, the week that it was set to debut on Peacock, they pulled it without explanation. And now in the more recent set of odd Peacock news, Kevin Nash, as part of NWO Week, mm-hmm. which they had leaned into on social media with the photo shoots and the yada, yada, oh, yeah. yada. And then some of the big sells for this was that the NWO guys were going to do Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin. Oh, okay. Kevin Kevin Nash did it. It was promoted. They've been airing commercials. They had talked about it on air. And it was supposed to, I think, be out like today, like this weekend or something, and just pulled it. What? Just didn't release it without explanation. Why? Like it it what? just it because I'll bet WWE was like A OK and Peacock was like what the fuck? Is, I, I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if there was content in there that I'm just curious they what they could have even like brought Like, unless they're start talking about somas, like what the fuck are they? This is why the Lex Luger thing has been so weird and why they've been hesitant to put in the hall of fame, because it's not a great story for professional wrestling. Like what Lex Luger went through. Oh, okay. I mean, just well, from the standpoint of like, cause I don't using, know much about this. Well, enhancing, you know what he did to enhance his body for all those years then falling into the addiction and the drugs and the whole Miss Elizabeth situation with, you know, her passing due to pain, you know, due to medication and him being present when that happened and being in a dark place at the time in his life. And then his body turned on him and just started falling apart. Yeah. And now you see he's, you know, wheelchair bound and he's emaciated and, you know, he's not certainly not the Lex Luger that they want to promote on TV. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and now he's, you know, done the whole, Jesus thing and good for him and he's seems to be an all around good guy. I mean, I don't know, whatever. But, yeah, who knows? But, but it, I see what you're but saying. I don't, but I just so I don't know. Like at that story, like maybe it finally got the eyes of Vince on it or something, and people were just like, he was like, fuck no, like, <laughs> no, because I don't. You know, how do you tell the story of Lex Luger without talking about kind of how shitty the wrestling business is? Well, yeah, I mean and that's the other <laughs> thing is like it's just weird that. Like at the same time that Dark Side of the Ring is becoming bigger and more interesting and, and is getting more attention. 
Yeah, they won. And then like the AEW, the A and A and E documentaries have been coming out, and like people seemingly are pro those, but they're also kind of, you know, they're more like just general documentaries instead of the dark Mm -hmm. side sort of stuff. Right. But it's just weird that like Peacock all of a sudden is is doing this with this stuff. Like I don't understand what. I don't. And and then the Nash podcast. I mean, it is Kevin Nash. He's certainly not shy. To, to say his mind or to express mm-hmm. his feelings about things. And who knows? And with Steve Austin across the table, I'm sure Nash is thinking, man, if there's ever a better chance of people hearing my opinion on this, this, or this, <laughs> you know, now is the time. So that's, that's so weird. I hadn't heard anything about either of these two things yet, yeah. but that's, that's well, cause wild. they've just been, it's just been like without explanation. <laughs> I feel like yeah. they've promoted it almost up to the date it's supposed to premiere and then it just doesn't happen. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. Huh. Uh, but yeah, anyways. A uh, bit of good news, encouraging news here for the MLW promotion, who recently have brought in Dave Prezak, you know, longtime veteran of the independent scene, a huge influence, and has been behind the scenes and helped put a lot of you know promotions together, including um, his work with Shimmer, the all women's promotion, who you know, which he was a spearhead of. So um, he's going to come into MLW, head up their women's division, and you know, there's a lot of people that have expressed uh, you know their excitement about this, and they think that this is a ultimately going to be a good thing because you do forget i kind of always i'm like oh yeah mlw doesn't have women's wrestling like, yeah i i kind of forgot that they had just had none like not even just like little <laughs> like they had none I, i'd forgotten about that no yeah i didn't realize that that was the case i, I guess i just i mean i've not been I, I've not been watching their weekly shows but yeah i didn't right. realize that was the case so that'll be great and then you know while we're talking about it on the ring of honor side of things the field is set uh, for the crown to crown the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, um, the brackets will be revealed during Best in the World, the pay per view actually taking place while we're recording this Ring of Honor's first pay per view back in front of fans. The brackets will be revealed, but the list includes um, you know Allison K, you know otherwise sometimes known as Sienna, uh, Maserati, Roxy, Miranda Elise, Trisha Adora, certainly someone that people are a lot of like very excited about, Willow Nightingale, another person a lot of people are really happy to see in there, Mandy Leon. Uh, longtime Ring of Honor mainstay, who actually could still lose her spot. Quinn McKay, yes, the girl that also does the interviews and the mic, you know, <laughs> is yeah. getting another chance to qualify. We'll see what happens there. Nicole Savoy, a longtime is, vet. That, yes. Because I don't know her name, but I keep seeing this graphic on the uh, Wrestling with Regret videos. Is mm. that the person that's on, like, the announcer graphic with, with him and and Riccoboni and, and Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. Yeah, so Mandy Leon, as of now, is in. Nicole Savoy, who's a you know, longtime indie vet, you know, certainly deserves to be somewhere. Uh, I'm really excited to see Max the Impaler. Um, she is, or I'm sorry, they are very impressive, and I'm excited about that. Um, Alex Garcia, Sumi Sake, because it's Ring of Honor, damn it. You got to let Sumi in there. <laughs> Dude, I don't, uh, and, it's great for Sumi. I, I'm just like, she's had such a long career with that company. Like, I, she's going to be yeah. like the Jay Lethal without all the accolades <laughs> on the other side of the. <laughs> right. Uh, and then two wild cards kind of announced just this week by Maria Canellis, Holly Dead and Marty Bell are also going to join the field, and Angelina Love, who has a first round bye in the tournament. So, ah, yeah, um, a really great mix, I think, of newcomers. Um, then you've got some, you know, kind of indie buzz folks here, you know, that have been just kind of waiting for an opportunity like this. And it's good to see some, um, you know, some veterans as well, some women that have had some experience with, you know, impact wrestling and NWA and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, you love to see it. I don't know if this is necessarily like they're all under contract, you know, how 
much women wrestling we're gonna get even when they have a champion i mean i'd love to see all these women in the company um but you know I, you know you know you just don't know um if that'll end up being the case because then you also have the nwa thing who's going to be making a big so this, push sorry this this is not you're talking about a ring of honor tournament or yeah. is this okay i wanted to make sure that this wasn't some of mlw also i missed ring of honors women's championship they've been yeah. having qualifying matches and giving out gold tickets and all that stuff nice so but you're also going to have the NWA tournament or the all-women's show at some point that Mickey James is putting together. And I would mm-hmm. assume you will get a good amount of these folks probably um, being a part sense. of that as well. You with, know? with the way that, especially now after a year of like not having indies that are able to perform in front of fans basically for an entire year, it seems mm-hmm. like the WWE is almost like moved back into their old way with the women's side where they're almost just getting like these girls that are just starting wrestling training and they're not necessarily, you know, established independent veterans. And so now you have, a, a, I guess, some some extra place for these other people. But at the same time, there's only so many of them because <laughs> there's so many women in the WWE's program and in their developmental system. Oh, yes. And there's so many women that are already in AEW and then well, yeah, overseas. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about the, you know, the call ups and the, you know, the fresh talent they're bringing up from the mm-hmm. main roster on the women's side of things. And you think about the women who they've released. You know, what I mean, that's what we've talked. There's so much talent out there, and it, you know, yeah. you got you hope you hope and wish that there's a place for everybody, but at some point you worry about it. Um, on to the raw side of things, we're still gearing up for Money in the Bank. We did one of those stupid Miz TVs where, <laughs> dude, yes, real quick, just because mm-hmm. all I, I I tried to watch Raw this week, and I think I sent sure. you a text about it. Um, it's understandable. I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna sit down and watch Raw, and then I turned it on. And it starts with Miz TV and Miz doing the fake call and response with the Thunder fucking crowd. And I was I was out in 45 seconds. I couldn't handle it. I was like, oh, nope, man. nope. I'll come back when they get fans. I'm done until they right. get fans. I'm not watching yeah. any more Raw. <laughs> Him and Johnny Drip Drip with Miz in the wheelchair has been kind of funny stuff. But yeah, you're right. No, it's not a great start, especially if you're someone that's like trying to get back in. Um, but yeah. It wasn't anything worth talking about. It did lead to a singles match where John Morrison defeated Ricochet by countout when Miz just kept like Ricochet was crawling and Miz was in his wheelchair and he would just like scoot a little bit forward and Ricochet would like turn his crawl to go the other way and then Miz would back the wheelchair like just moving just enough that like Ricochet couldn't beat the count at 10 <laughs> to get back in the ring. So it was kind of entertaining actually. Nice. It's about as good as it gets on Raw. Okay, folks. Um, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Ava Marie, and I'm calling her Piper. Piper Niven defeated <sighs> Nikki Ash. Yes, she's almost superhero. It's A. Oh, that S. Nikki. Oh, okay. A. Yes. Alexa Bliss, Naomi, and Asuka. So it was whatever. Mostly a vehicle for Ava Marie to be kind of awful to Piper. And yeah. They ended up getting the win, but I think Ava got the pin. So whatever. Um, Mustafa Ali beat Monsoor. You know, whatever. Good stuff there. Drew McIntyre, you know, with 3MB explodes DP, Drew McIntyre defeating Jinder Mahal by disqualification after Veer and Shanky. I I just think we should maybe go back to the table on that one. Like, Shanky? <laughs> is that is that like a, a that like a known name. Indian name though? Like is that like well, a known male right. name? I in should, India? Maybe I shouldn't be but offensive. It you're does right. it, it does just feel like you know when they would name like nails or you know like it's someone that's <laughs> gonna shank somebody is what it sounds like. I just mean it's not all that intimidating of a name for a guy that is very intimidating. But anyways, they helped Jinder beat Drew up, and Jinder stole his sword. 
The sword that was made from the tooth of the Loch Ness monster, DP. Oh my Jinder god! Jinder Mahal when has you, taken it. When you sent me that text, the the sword is now in canon, <laughs> made from the tooth of. I was. I. I, I what are they doing? Who? Drew McIntyre's gimmick is that he's a history teacher. Who are the fans uh, that they're they're writing this for? Like, does Vince, Vince even like this? Vince, Vince likes Loch Ness monster swords. Like that doesn't even sound like something that he'd be into. Listen, it's all Vince. Like, it, if it didn't go through him, you wouldn't see it. So, true, true. Anyways, Drew is feuding with Jinder. Take that as you will. I guess you could look at it as Jinder's a former champion, maybe pulling him back up to the top of the card. Hopefully it's not pulling Drew to the middle of the card. Yeah. We'll see. Poor guy. Wrestled literally as the top guy in the I company. Say, is, uh, the thing is His like, entire career as the top guy was in front of nobody. I've, yeah, him and Cesaro, man. I feel like they at least <laughs> at least he got a time with the belt, but they both just feel like they're being just drugged right back down to the middle of the, oh, middle to the bottom of the card. More on that sadness later. Uh, talk about being dragged to the bottom of the card. Lucha House Party beat Mason T-Bar. I mean, like, it's not <laughs> worth spending time really talking much about this. Lindsay Dorado had a really cool Kane-inspired get-up. Oh, really? Was actually badass looking. Nice. I mean, I love the Lucha House Party. They're two wildly talented folks, yeah. guys. But I don't know. If I just keep hoping. I, every time something like this happens, I'm like, all right, good. Like, they're going to just be Dominic Dijakovic and, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Williams or whatever. I can't remember what his wrestling name was, but... Time will tell. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Matt Riddle beat AJ Styles. Really fun singles match here. Viking Raiders kind of helped, uh, you know, eliminate almost keep him from in getting involved. But, you know, solid win there. Uh, Charlotte is in the ring. Jesus, man. I know I say it every week. It gets worse or it's about the same. Charlotte's in the ring to address her injury. So she's hurt. So Charlotte is in the ring playing her full heel deal but also kind of like trying to pull sympathy because she's hurt because Rhea chop blocked her last week during a tag match. Okay. And this was only after Charlotte had chop blocked Rhea, but they don't, you know, Corey Graves isn't, doesn't want to hear that part. Of course not. So Rhea then comes out and mocks Charlotte and her injury. And again, it's just in this weird place where it's like, yeah, Charlotte's out here. Like nobody likes her trying to like pull sympathy, but I don't really know that coming out and like, pointing at it and doing like a Nelson from the Simpsons is it all that, you know, likable mm-hmm. of a, of a deal either on the Rhea side. Um, and again, just the over the top sarcasm from both of them trying to like out, out sarcasm. The other just makes for cringy segments. I feel like every week between these two. Um, and then they both revealed they were faking their injuries and we got a crutch sword fight. <laughs> I just don't get, like it's so frustrating because like the the women's division on SmackDown seems to be struggling for lack of people, right? And which then I think the women's fit. division on Raw has so many people to work with, and they just don't do anything with. It's just like this nonsense. There was an eight woman tag outside of this segment on the show. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm not saying like it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, the more the more even the roster gets, the better for everybody. So yeah, I don't know. It just it's like a competition to see who can be less likable between these two. And I just don't mm-hmm. understand it. Because Rhea Ripley is just not who she should be. It's not who she is. Yeah. I just and I feel like they're just trying to force something that's not there. There was a um, I, I was watching various music videos the other day and I, I was just like clicking like on other things that were linked to it by YouTube to kind of discover new bands and yeah. try to try to, you know, expand my horizons with new music that's sure. been coming out. And I ended up in like a metal side of the world and there's this band called Motionless and White, I think they're called. Uh, okay. but they their lead singer, I was like, Why the why does he look so familiar? It was driving me nuts. And it's yeah. because he looks 
identical to Rhea Ripley. Like they both oh, look like they have copied okay. their exact looks from each other. Like <laughs> same makeup style, everything. Like I was just like, oh, this is that's Rhea. Okay, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I was like that's why well, he looks so familiar. Well, and some would question who is the real Rhea Ripley because you remember the Rhea Ripley we were introduced to. Oh, in NXT exactly, UK, yeah, wasn't exactly heavy metal and chains Rhea Ripley. So sure. I don't know. Anyways, um, main event: New Day beat Lashley and MVP. This is all fine. I'm just, you know, it is what it is. Again, I'm just so ready for fans. That's mm-hmm. why we talked about a show with fans in the dish. Because, <laughs> um, we'll come back to Great American Bash because I'll wrap up on that. So okay. let's jump to SmackDown. Um, and, you know, the saga continues. We see Edge beating Jimmy up last week when Roman wasn't there. Blah, blah, blah. What? what? Jimmy he was taking care of business, like he says later. All right. What? Say, so they like the, the company doesn't care about being arrested for DUIs anymore. Like. Just oh, that continue on with the things. story and be on the TV like everything's okay. Yeah, you know i I don't know. It's it's tough. There was because a time those... that a getting caught with weed ruined Rob Van Dam's well, career, and true. And now Jimmy Uso has his like fifth DUI, and it's, they're like, right. yeah, we'll no, deal with I it. I know, like it's a very complicated situation because it's like on one hand, you want to be careful to dismiss somebody that's dealing with these problems because that can send them into a true downward spiral and yeah. things can maybe get worse. But I do think at the same time that in my opinion, and who cares about my opinion, the responsible thing to do would be to take him off the road and to put him into rehab. You Something. Know? Yeah. Like, don't not, I'm not saying fire the guy, not saying find mm-hmm. the guy, you know, but li- I mean, this is it's too many. You know, one is too one time is too many because here's the thing. This is and I know you should, oh, you shouldn't play the what if that dude gets drunk, jumps a curb and fucking kill somebody. Mm-hmm. You, Especially after there's already been a history of this being an issue. And then like exactly. And you didn't necessarily that's I, when know, people so, start pointing the fingers at the company. Yeah. I, and listen, I'm not here to say, oh, it'd be so bad for the company. That, that wouldn't be the most important part of it. No, but you're basically allowing that to potentially take place mm-hmm. you know and it'd be the end of his life you know he would go to jail for probably the remainder of his life if oh. that happened and that person would lose theirs like i know that's oh you're playing the hypotheticals but that's what happens in these situations mm-hmm. and this isn't someone that like one time got drunk too drunk and they didn't realize it and they drove home and they got pulled this is clearly somebody with a problem who has a history of this yeah and we don't need to go down this route his wife has a history of this. I mean, this, oh, there yeah. is well, and that's the thing fam- is like there's a family problem here, perhaps. You know, and there's you know the statistic that I always hear because I I cover court for my job. I, I whenever there's someone in there for a DUI, the judge that was previously in there would always call back to the statistic that like for every DUI a person gets, they've driven drunk 25 other times or something like like 20 times to one. Exactly is is the way that it works. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's like you know that means that he's if he if you're getting caught five times, you're probably doing it so many more times as well. But yeah, I mean, so yeah. Anyways. <laughs> So to put a little damper on SmackDown there, yeah, Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that happened, and um, repercussions. And then he was just part of the show, none, none, and actually almost in a better place by the end of it. I don't know. Paul stops Jimmy from walking into Roman's locker room. Says he'll have his full attention later. Uh, out comes Roman. You know he's here to answer to Edge, who kind of called him out last week, um, and he admits that maybe for ten, maybe twenty seconds at WrestleMania, <laughs> I fe- I had fear of losing. You know, when you had that bar across my mouth and that cross, you know, so it was good stuff there from Roman. He's like, but then what happened? 
I crushed you. You know what I mean? It's just like, so, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I can do it again. And then he turns to family business. Out comes Jimmy. This is when it was like, how, are they going to do it? Are they going to address it? Are we going to? Oh, so it did provide a lot of, of uh, suspense for this segment because I just kept waiting every time that he would even look at Jimmy. I was like, is this when he's going to just beat him up? Well, <laughs> and Jay gives us a little something here later that that's about as much as they say on it. But Jimmy comes out and wonders where Roman was last week. He's, uh, you know, he's mad about that. Um, Roman is then upset with Jimmy about him making decisions when he's not there and all this us business. And then he says, I've taken care of things, including, I guess, magically healing Jay Uso's injuries or whatever was wrong with him because he introduces Jay Uso as if that's the product of his absence last week. Oh, okay. The returning Jay Uso. Um, Jay says he's back for both of them in that angry, yelling Jay Uso way. He just yell talks. That's how Jay Uso is. Mm. Um, tells Jimmy to keep his head high, you know, kind of a. I feel like that was the referencing. Oh, uh, okay. Situation. That makes sense. No matter, you know, it's kind of the whole, like, I know things are down right now. Keep your head high. We'll get through this together kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, they want to be seven time tag champs. And then Roman again, does his great manipulative character here where he's just like, that's all I've ever wanted is for me to be the universal champion. And for you guys to be seven time tag champs. He's like, and then in the, oh, so perfect. And you know, let's do it together. But my way, yes. like the, yeah. you know, let's do, oh, it's good stuff. They hug, you know, and that's that. So that, that's your punishment, Jimmy. You're you're probably going to be in a better spot moving forward here <laughs> as, as the family's all together. Oh. Uh, Titus O'Neil celebrated with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup champions, and, uh, you know, got the customary photo op. He was, like, in the locker room after the game. Oh, geez, was okay. I was like, yeah, that, I, well, because that's just – he's the world – he's the ambassador. Like, oh, that's probably how they'll start okay. doing this stuff because it was good. You know, he's in the fucking locker room when they're – champagne and, and he's well and he's he's also seems like a guy that everybody whenever i hear like various podcasts and people make reference to him it's everyone likes the guy he seems like he's yeah. a great person in general so mm-hmm. i mean if he's a likable dude that can you know be in a room and not like upset people for being there like why not yeah, yeah use him as the Absolutely. ambassador i guess yeah money in the bank qualifier king nakamura beat peasant corbin they're going this like route where he's like a sad sack i, I don't necessarily <laughs> know how this is going to end um Big E was on commentary uh, he and Pat McAfee had their feet in those like wa- feet massage. I, water I saw things. like a clip of the match on the like top <laughs> yeah. ten like SmackDown moments or something from you, right. from WWE. And just like <laughs> as soon as I saw them sitting there, I was like, I need to go watch the whole part of it because I want to. I just Pat McAfee and Biggie and with feet in the the warmers, oh, yeah. That seems awesome. Yeah, Pat is as long as they he wants to be here. Whether I like it or not, he's he's so he's good. <laughs> he's I he's won me over, man. Like when he's I not deny it. when he's not being a heel wrestler and having to do like promos where he's just rambling on and he's like just <laughs> right. you know announcing. I thought I so far he's been great. Well, and when you find out from Triple H that Pat McAfee got to cut his own promos like unchecked, <laughs> so it's like you don't let anybody else that's actually a wrestler do that. But anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, Natty and Tamina come out because they have to cut a heel promo to set up what's about to happen. I was like. Why are you guys being so mean all of a sudden? Like they're just, you know, <laughs> yes, we have to fight. Our belts aren't on the line. You know, whatever. It was just kind of like odd. And then out came Shotzi and Knox. Yeah. Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. I I don't think that it's those in the, anymore. I think they're shortening their names to just Shotzi Knox. It is. It's Shotzi. Because like the post, they did a like a web exclusive interview with the two of them, and like yeah. she was like Knox. What do you? Th-? I was like, oh geez. I was like, you can't just give her the name. She just came back on NXT as like a surprise <laughs> with the name Tegan Knox to ruin it for Candice, and now she's on the other show with a different name. <laughs> I yeah. 
this is all part of the, you know, and I guess we'll just go to mention it too. We also get a Tony Storm vignette on this night. Um, you know, so those three ladies coming to SmackDown, much needed, certainly a, oh, night, yeah. a good injection. Um, and not obviously, you know, awful, the Bailey situation, but with the Bailey situation, you know, having three mm-hmm. fresh faces coming up is definitely going to be, you know, good for business. Also, you know, it looks like they're pushing Liv Morgan. So maybe things will be getting a little bit better on the women's side of things with SmackDown. But anyway, yeah, the tag match happened. Shotzi and uh, Knox got the win. Um, I thought they looked good together as a team. It was kind of, it's weird that you wouldn't do Ember and Shotzi. I mean, they had like a name. Yeah. They had similar mm-hmm. looking gear. You know, this is, I, this is again, I'd imagine the decision-making of the uh, one and only. Oh, there's probably, Vince is probably like, I already had Ember Moon up here. I don't, I, I sent her back. I didn't want her. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's that, too. Um, But, yeah, like you mentioned, too, I also wonder with these call-ups and things, if we're going to get blow-offs on NXT or if we're just going to act like these things didn't happen. Yeah, like, I don't know how you continue with NXT for Candice without having some sort of at least comment about what just happened with Tegan. Like, Tegan Knox needs to have a match with Candice LeRae on NXT. Yes. And Tony Storm just cut a promo on (laughs) Saray on NXT last week. Make you know, yeah. Now, maybe that one you will get like the Saray gets the win and Tony goes up, kind of, but it's just like, or are they just gonna, like, I don't care, like, you know, <laughs> nope, these, they're, they're here now. This is this is ours. Uh, we'll we're see. taking cross next week, better get that strap off him. Um, anyways, so good stuff, good to see, you know, some injection of talent. Um, Sonia Deville gives us the bad news that Bailey is hurt. Um, she cut a fun, well, kind of a fun promo. She was, you know, sad about the injury and then ultimately decided and said that we don't care about her. And, you know, that we're going to miss her when she's gone. Yeah. So Bianca, Sonya Deville tells us, will not be defending the money, the defending the belt at Money in the Bank. I was like, oh, man, they're going to do my thing. Like, they're going to put mm-hmm. her in the match and they're going to make it for the... No. No. Actually, it's not a terrible idea. Um, they're instead going to have her defend the belt next Friday in front of a live audience for the first time in Houston, Texas against Carmella. It's like... It makes sense where they've positioned her recently, but it is one of those things where I keep going, but has she improved at all? Like in the ring to have these main event matches? Yeah, I think from that, I don't, I don't blame her for any of this, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I just think that they've done such a poor job at manifesting any kind of momentum for anybody outside of Bailey or Sasha. Yeah. That you get yourself in the situation where you're like, Oh shit. Bianca's the champion. Sasha's, probably off shooting a movie or a TV show or something. <laughs> and Bailey's out for nine months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carmella, I, I, I guess that's the time, you know, and it's like, it's not her fault that they you know, yeah. didn't really have a secondary women's feud that was, you know, putting much heat on anybody. So you're kind of left with a bit of a, eh. so, uh, and Liv Morgan felt the same way, <laughs> kind of in an annoying fashion. Are you kidding me? She kind of just kept saying that as she was walking to the ring before she was like, Ready to start her promo. It's not. It's not um, as uh, endearing as "Are you joking me?" It's, it's right. Exactly. Um, yeah, she's. You know, I've beat Carmella to qualify for the Money in the Bank match, which it is like, yeah, that is kind of fucked up. But, um, uh, but yeah, Sasha or Sonya's unmoved from by Liv Morgan, and uh, Liv just tells Carmella she hopes she's the champion when she wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. So, whatever. All right. Yeah, as well. This is, I was reading the recap of that segment because I was like, "What happened? How did they address this Bailey thing?" And the, it <laughs> right. said like Carmella came out and said, "I get it. You hate me. I'm hot." And I was just like, uh, "It's the yeah. Thunderdome. Stop reacting to the people. Like, <laughs> don't start your promo that way. You guys are scripting all this anyways. You just don't do that. Just move on." Yeah. No, I forgot about that part. Yeah, I don't. I mean, whatever. I guess that. 
We're almost yeah, done, with it, but it's driving me. Carmella's nuts. gimmick is I'm hot and you're not. It's like, yeah. I mean, I you know, I suppose that pulls heat. You don't do that with the men, though. You know, like why are the the heel women? It's always a matter of like on their looks. Yeah, that you're hate you hate me because you're not me type of a situation. <laughs> that's basically every heel woman, and it's like, and that and that's been like a known like heel woman gimmick yeah. since before they were even allowed to wrestle like realistically like that was half of Sonny's promos like yeah Seth, Seth Rollins doesn't cut promos about how much better looking he is than Cesaro <laughs> now well, Dash and Cody Rhodes did like they're they've well, had the dashing characters every once in a yeah. while but no, it's not yeah. a, it's not as much of a trope as it is on the women's side sure so yeah anyways I don't necessarily care for it Seth Rollins beat Cesaro in a money in the bank qualifier and plant face and palm I don't know why Rollins would need this no why you wouldn't just let the so I mean, but I don't I, know. Now this match, they do a very clearly planned out blood spot. Is this and is this the way the company's going? Are they giving in? It's, I don't think it's. I don't think it was meant to be intentional. I mean, how could it not be? That was the most obviously gimmicked turnbuckle to pull off the side. They set right. up that spot. He threw his head into the corner. Like I, that was their thing. I was curious. Like, is it hard way or is Cesaro a magician with the blade? Like, I didn't see a blade, but yeah, I don't know. Because they you're, I, they kind of fiddled with the idea of some blood with like Randy and Brock a few years ago, but they got shit for it because like you're going to injure somebody doing it this way, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know because. I feel like if you were wanting to do the compete with AEW on the edgy side of things with blood, mm-hmm. you'd probably do it on Raw and not on network TV. Yeah. That, because that was, I was watching that top 10 list and they went to the, the segment of this match and it was in black and white. I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, oh, he's got a fucking crimson mask. So I went and watched the whole match. It was a good match. Yeah. yeah. It was oh, really yeah. good. But it was also one of those things where I was just like, now, because they didn't, they drew attention to it, but they weren't over the top about drawing attention to it. It just felt like the company was trying to like slyly be like, "We've always done this and not pushed against." Yeah, it. yeah, it's hard to say. Who knows? But hey, it was good to see. Because damn it, we need a little blood in wrestling. Uh, it helps. Jimmy and Jay turn into cartoon characters for some reason as they bust into the locker room of Edge, but he wasn't in there. There's a whole thing where like they teased it that they were outside of the door oh, and they okay. came back and they're like, "Are right, you ready?" Oh, he's not in here. That that was it. <laughs> Um, so. I I scrubbed forward to where I saw Edge coming right. out and then started the segment there, so I didn't see that part. <laughs> right. Yeah, Rollins celebrates his win and says Cesaro isn't on his level. Mentions that last time he cashed in, Roman Reigns was the champion and he beat him and says maybe that's what will happen again. So uh, who says knows? he shouldn't even be in the Money in the Bank match. He should have the title match at Money in the Bank. And that's when Edge would walk up behind Seth Rollins. And he says, you know, the difference between you and I is that you complain. Well, I think he says you bitch and moan about not getting opportunities while I take opportunities and then ah. walked away. So, no, because that yeah. was kind of what when when they originally were starting to, you know, set up towards SummerSlam or whatever. There was all the talk of Cena. But then the other thing that I was thinking was like, well, you could have Edge be the SummerSlam guy. And then Rollins would make a perfect sense after his Cesaro program to go and have a match with Roman. Sure. I thought that yeah. would be the Money in the Bank match. And like you said, it doesn't make much sense for Seth to win the Money in the Bank match. So I don't know. We'll see. I also doesn't make a lot of sense for you, the two biggest heels on SmackDown to feud for the Universal title. Yeah. <laughs> so let's figure something out with that. Um, so Edge goes to the ring to call out Roman. Uh, Roman's like, all right, I'll go. And he tells the Usos to stay backstage. He's going to take care of this. 
the way they blocked all this was so fucking baffling. Like, why yeah. show me him saying that and then have them go, hey, I, I, I got a bad feeling about this. And then they got, yeah. and then he's upset about it, but then they still don't leave. Like, I don't, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, he walks to the ring and then the Usos <laughs> just come out anyways. Um, but it was all a plan as the Mysterios, Dominic and Ray, would attack Jimmy and Jay. Roman would be left alone in the ring with Edge. The two of them would brawl a little bit. Um, eventually, the former tag team champions, Edge and Rey Mysterio, would take out the tribal chief. He would kind of run away from the ring, leaving the Usos to, you know, get 619s and, and all bars that kind of across stuff. their mouths. Yeah, and bars across their mouth. That's Edge's thing now. I mean, I, I'm g- good for Edge for finding something other than a concerto to do to have like his it be his thing, but um. I, this was one thing where when it happened, I was like, oh, man, I was like, that would be a fun six man match like that. I hope that's what's coming up next week on SmackDown. But I don't know if they're going to do that or not. I think that's exactly what will happen. Just <laughs> because be I do just... like I like the the throwback to the fact that Ray and Edge were a successful tag mm-hmm. team. And that was a fun time in, you know, the, the Edge storyline. So the good old days. So, uh, yeah, but that's SmackDown. we got money in the bank coming up next Sunday. Uh, we shall see what happens. Thank God. We are done with the Thunderdome. Yes, and, that- and the Thunderdome is done. Yes, <laughs> that was one of those things where I was like, I was thinking because I heard Michael Cole mention like this is the la- for the last time in the Thunderdome. Whenever I was like, oh goodness, I'm so happy that they're gonna have a crowd next week. Like yep. I just just for the noise aspect of it. Like I can't like when Thunderdome first started and they were still figuring out the noise stuff. I felt like it was a little better. And then when they really went whole hog on like, no, we're just pressing play on all these MP3 sounds. I I lost it. Yep. I agree. So, yeah, that's the end of the Thunderdome. So we're moving on. Thank God. No more of that. I don't know what NXT. I want, I want next I week to start with, uh, on Raw, Drew McIntyre coming out to the live crowd going, this is really cool. This is so cool. He will. He will. <laughs> that's exactly what he's going to do. Like, uh, anyways, um, I don't know about the full sale situation. I haven't really heard. I mean, they're oh, already yeah. to the point where they can. They can put people in that Capitol Wrestling Center, so I don't, I don't know if they'll be in a rush to move back or, you know, yeah, who knows? Know. It might be the end of Full Sail. It would be the time if you wanted to break off, just bring that up home and have it in your backyard, you know. Yeah. So, but I mean, then again, they've got the PC down there, so they're not going to necessarily abandon that. I was going to say the uh, the the Capitol Wrestling Center, like it's it's okay, but it's like I don't know. There was something that I didn't mind as much about like the small size of the. Oh, the believe me, and we'll talk about it right now with Green American Bash. I am ready to go back to full sale. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but I, I can't. I'm done with these goobers that are everybody's <laughs> friends and family. I guess that get to come to these Capitol Wrestling oh. Center shows because the damn crowd almost ruined this show for me entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, NXT's Great American Bash AEW had a. Special this week as well, so a little competition here, even though they're not on the same nights. But um, big shows, big weekly shows, you love to see it. And this was takeover quality, in my opinion, aside from how maybe it was produced with some talking segments and stuff in between. Yeah. But uh, you open with an NXT Tag Team Championship match. Great stuff here. MSK, Nash Carter, and Wes Lee defeating Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Um, you know, you come in, this is one of those matches, MSK, because this is how they've been promoted and pushed. They're the underdogs. They're the champion underdogs. You know, you mm-hmm. don't do this a lot, but it's not. It's not. It's a good thing to do with your baby faces like this, especially and, when you've uh, got they, young guys. Like it's easy yeah. for that to make sense for the crowd. Yeah, and I'll and Wade Barrett was also quick to mention that these underdogs have beaten everyone they faced. You know, so not like burying them, but just 
putting it out there because um, they are they're white you know they're baby faces uh the capital wrestling center decided that they were going to boo them the entirety of this match <laughs> and cheer everything Chima- champa and thatcher did um which drove me crazy and i even saw a tweet this week where someone asked Wes Lee, the former desmond xavier like why was everybody booing you at takeover and he just replied with like you know they hate us because they ain't us to something simple like that. But, you know, so it's not like I'm crazy here. Like, it's no, it's, you're not wrong. It was one of those things where you like I was kind of half watching for the first part of the show and then I got right. more into it as the show went. But it was like I was in and out trying to make some food. And then I didn't notice necessarily how negative the crowd was to MSK specifically. Mm-hmm. But I did notice how positive they were to Tommaso Ciampa, mm-hmm. who is, I guess, a heel. But at the same time. Their program didn't really leave them as heel tag team. They left them as just hard-working badass guys. Yeah. They overcame grizzled young vets and earned this spot and, like, this whole deal. (laughs) No, and, like, that's what pisses me off, too. And, like, I mean, I probably could dish about it at some point, but I just say here, like, it's what can be frustrating a little bit about, like, a Tommaso Ciampa. You know, Thatcher's a little bit newer still. But this is the danger you have if we don't push these guys up to the main roster. Yeah. Is that then you get these mainstays, these hometown heroes it's the triple a baseball team it's the guy that's you know they he's been with the club for years you know what i mean like they gain like the you know the fan cult like following and uh and it puts people in like msk in this position where to it's, no fault of their own they're getting booed because oh it's everybody's favorite nxt lifer tomaso champa it's kind of in a similar role not he didn't get there in the same way but the way right. that the crowd's reacting to him is like sean spears was when he yes. was around like <laughs> yeah because I, mean, I mean i mean i mean that's like he needs to shit or get off the pot in my opinion with samasa champion because you can't have this gridlock it's like an adam cole he is yeah admittedly he has got a point where i think he's bigger than nxt and he's kind of a bit of a detriment mm-hmm. to some point because you can't make him a heel at this you know because they he's adam yeah. cole baby they all <laughs> so, i don't know what the solution is because i know we've also talked recently about how Maybe it'd be great if NXT could just keep some people and they wouldn't have to go up and get the disappointment. Mm -hmm. But we're going to have gridlock because they also keep signing new classes to the Performance Center. That's the problem is that they keep wanting to use it as a developmental, even though they have the the stars to just be a set roster. Yeah. And so these I think what MSK is feeling is seeing is and I don't know exactly, but it almost feels like this NXT audience has got the point now where they're almost pushing back on the new people. Because, well, well, I mean, the, these guys are still here, and we we, we want to see them yeah. be pushed to the top. And it's like, no, no, you're going to have to get to a point where you realize that if these guys are going to stay in NXT, they're going to be getting over the latest class of performance centers. Like, yeah. Yep. If that's what he wants to do, then that's what he's going to do. But I know you can't tell fans how to react, but it just, I felt bad for MSK because they're the fucking Rock and Roll Express, for God's sakes. They're the Hardy Boys <laughs> of 1999. Yeah. And, they're getting booed because, oh, we like Tommaso. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm fucking sick of it. Shit or get off the pot. Get out of NXT. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, it's tough, too, because it's like we saw what they did with DIY in the short time that they moved them to the main roster. Like, Vince seemingly was just not impressed at all, and they just did nothing with them for, like, yeah, I mean, a month and then sent them back. I mean, I'm going to run down the breakout attendees here in a second. You know, when you talk about an underswell of, people they need to get on TV and they need to see if there's anything there. And then it makes it difficult because mm-hmm. now you're not pushing guys to the main roster anymore. Um, the battery was charging. Little did we know it would be done by the end of the night. Uh, we get a Johnny Gargano, another one, to be honest, and carrying cross with a face off. Um, Regal sets a title match for next week between the two. I thought it was this week. I was like, 
because I was really thinking, like, man, that's a stacked card. And then I was like, oh, that's not this week. Um, but yeah, Gargano and Cross for the title next week on NXT. Johnny says that Karrion is scared of him. Um, Samoa Joe will be the special referee. Um, and I had just another bit of a problem here with like Gargano. And it's not necessarily his fault, but it's that DX NWO inspired sarcastic cool heel kind of thing. Well, it's just that which, he's so much more entertaining than Karrion Cross, I think. But, is a that's, big but that's, that's maybe even the problem then, because it's like, again, the goal in this company right now is to make Karrion Cross a star. Yes. And you can't have Johnny Gargano out here thumbing his nose and like making light of everything about this character who admittedly, like you mentioned, isn't as interesting as Johnny Gargano, who is mm-hmm. a three dimensional, perfect professional wrestler. <laughs> Karrion Cross is a guy who is trying to find his way. They're yes. trying to establish who he is. And I love Johnny Gargano, but I just didn't love him cutting up on this man who basically his strength is his intimidation factor. Mm-hmm. And if we take away his intimidation factor, yeah. you can, it well, can because break we're too busy the whole trying fucking to, thing down. We're too busy trying to establish how intimidating Joe is again. Yeah, like, you're right. It was one of those things where yeah. I had texted you about like, I don't know who the, the company wants me to think is the bad guy. Who's the good guy here? Because yeah. But I think at the same time, Joe, like Joe's probably the baby face they want us to be thinking about. Sure. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm just this was like this segment. I was like, I I found Gargano entertaining. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I looked at it, as far as a storyline sense, I'm like, I hated this segment. Well, I didn't love ending on a Joe and Cross stare down because I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I don't remember selling a match on a special referee. It being, you know, what I mean, like it's a yeah. world title match, and we're worried yeah. about the feud between the referee and hands Cross. a stone Ronnie Garvin out there now. Oh god. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so um, and on a storyline that I will give credit to because it continues, I think, to hit the right beats. We had a million dollar championship match, LA Knight beating Cameron Grimes. Um, I don't love following up a ladder match with a regular single, but you know he beat up Ted, so it's- that's not cool. Like, it just feels like to me, because I thought the match was okay. It was fine. But I liked yeah. their ladder match way better. And right. and I liked the program better before they got to this point in the story. Like, it was just like... Yeah. Because Grimes just, will now be the butler for LA Knight. It's more of the WWEization of the NXT storyline structure. Like, because mm-hmm. now they have two hours, they have more time to fill, and suddenly now we're doing things backwards like they do on WWE Raw and SmackDown. We're going to have like a seven-match series between these right. two guys. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, because now Cameron Grimes will be forced to be the butler of LA Knight, which I'm sure will lead to vignettes over the next couple of weeks. And those will probably be fun vignettes. They'll probably right. take advantage of it way better than they did with, with uh, Chuck E.T. on AEW being the oh, butler. Oh, right. But, Charles. Man, but man, it was just one of those things where I was just like, I don't know. Like I, I, I just kept thinking to myself, oh man, because I, I, also I forgot that this wasn't the ladder match when I was first watching through because I was like, oh yeah, they're having a ladder match. And I was like, oh no, no, they already did the ladder match. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- I keep waiting for this to be like the breaking point in Raquel to be like, I don't care about the tag team championships. I'm the <laughs> NXT. Which, but Dakota and Raquel cut a promo about wanting to be tag team champions. I'm like, you have the women's title on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Why are we still? Oh God! So anyway, so that's going on, and they also like we're talking about Shotzi and Ember. So and at this point, I don't know if that will still happen. Yeah. Or if, and this, man, Raquel, 
I keep thinking like I get Dakota away from her, and then Raquel cuts a promo, and it's like, never mind, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep, keep Dakota with her. Keep Dakota with. Her. Like I'm yeah. sorry, man. It's like because at some point too, like you've been given the, the title. Mm-hmm. Like that that has to come along, or this isn't going to work. You know. Yeah. We shall see. We got the uh, announcement for the entries in this year's NXT breakout tournament. I do like to keep doing this. It's a nice way to highlight these folks and Mm -hmm. uh, let these evolved guys be on TV at least one time before you probably fire them like you fired the rest of them. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they come out. We have Trey Baxter, Carmelo Hayes, both men that have uh, recently challenged Kushida in open challenges and, uh, you know, are wonderful independent talents that haven't been with the company for too long. Andre Chase the former Harlem Bravado of the Bravado brothers. He was also a part of the Evolve roster. He won a match on 205 Live to qualify. Josh Briggs. I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. Josh Briggs. <laughs> Same here. He also, cut his, he also cut his hair, and now he looks like a local like TV lawyer you'd see like doing commercials in your like local mm-hmm. market. Like I was just like, he looks, I don't know. Some people lose the hair, and it's like, oh, that, that was a bit of a Samson situation. <laughs> Now you look like a TV lawyer. Anyways, um, everyone, one of everyone's favorites here. Everyone like Ikiman Juro, um, you know, the Japanese talent here, recently lost his partner, August, you know, Anthony Green. Okay. Uh, Joe, Joe Gacy, one of the former Evolve talents, tag team partner of Eddie Kingston and Evolve, former champions. Um, he won a match in 205 Live to qualify. Odyssey Jones, the person that I knew the least about, and that's because, well, he's not really been in wrestling long. He's a former football player. Um, he impressed officials so much, in fact, that he's already been brought to SmackDown where he had a dark match with Robert Roode. Oh, nice. So this guy might not win this thing, but he might just jump the line and end up on TV, it sounds he's like. He's probably, so. it's, he, he, I mean, just by that background, it's like he's the new Big E, basically, for like the company. like Because that's how Big E came in, just to try out as a football right. guy and start no, learning. Holy shit. Um, um, that same SmackDown featured, had dark matches that also included Shotzi Blackheart taking on Tony Storm. And Karrion Cross and Cesaro had single had a singles match. Oh, okay. Before that, before that SmackDown, so kind of cool. It was one of those uh, things though the la- when they they did this announcement. And I know you got one more name, but I just want to point out Odyssey Jones is, is just yeah. like it's a fantastic name. Like, a, like oh, yeah, very rarely name, do I hear a new name for, from any wrestler with the WWE program. And I'm like, oh man, that's a great name. Like that's just <laughs> that was a good name. Absolutely. And the last but not least, Duke Hudson, the former Elliot Sexton, Australian star who was a member of the Mighty Don't Kneel. Along with uh, oh, okay, Mikey Nichols and uh, Shane Thorne. So gotcha. But yeah, there you go. Breakout tournament. The matches are going to start. I think this week on NXT. I mean, just looking at it, I... is it on NXT? Because I thought I saw them on two hundred five. Or were those the the, the those might have been the qualifying matches? Okay, yeah, those were cool. But you know, just looking at it from afar, I... you know, you never necessarily know what their intentions are with some. Because like I said, some of these guys might end up becoming stars that don't win this, but you know, get a push mm-hmm. based on what happens. Um, Carmelo Hayes is just a name that I keep going back to. If I had to put my name, like put my money on one person, uh, yeah. might be that, but Josh Briggs is also like six, five, 200 and some pounds. Um, but also is kind of a giant piece of shit. It seems like it's what I've kind of heard who, <laughs> who may or may not have been sexting with a 13 year old. Oh so. yeah. That's not good. So I kind of hope he doesn't, but he's big. So you know how that goes. We'll see. So he looked impressive when we saw him live, but that's... I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Piece of shit aside, his match with Hero was yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. So NXT Women's Tag Team Championship, 
Io Shirai and Zoe Stark beat the way for the titles. I'm just like, can we stop hot shotting the women's tag titles? This was why we, when, when they first announced the women's titles, we were like, why are they doing this? Like it, it's like, well, cause we, you know, they didn't have enough women to do teams. Okay. They started to put together some teams and then mm-hmm. the best team as far as like continuity and like being a part of a group, you take it off of them. Just leave it on Candace and Indy. Like, I just didn't yeah. like this. I feel like we're probably moving towards breaking the way up, which I also feel like maybe a little bit premature. Like, well, like, I mean, whatever with their, the, like, I don't know about, yeah. I haven't paid enough close attention to the actual matches and such to know if I really like right. enjoy that, uh, that, du- that duo as a team being the champions. Right. But like, to break it up or to take it off of them and and break it up seemingly for a storyline that maybe isn't going to happen now, like is the wildest yeah. thing. Yeah, great point. Yes, because <laughs> uh, also I just want to mention that Indy was still rocking her razor gear and Candace had her one two three kid gear on. So, oh nice, getting that because they didn't get to be on Takeover with their stuff. So good for them. Um, the the battery charge is complete. You can take your phone off the charger. Wait, it's Tegan Knox dressed like Billy Kidman. Flock circa 1997. I was like, she was just she... dressed in in pop like the the <laughs> style that is popular right now. Like the, the oh, grunge style is oh. coming back. That's what. Oh, okay. Pretty girls are wearing flannel again. That's basically oh, what's going well, on. I mean, I have no problem with that. I just I'm, <laughs> I had heavy Billy Kidman flock vibes as she emerged. Um, oh yeah. And baggy baggy. Anyway, so yeah, Tegan Knox is back. Um, you know, which is cool. But like you mentioned, we also just saw she was on SmackDown debuting with Shotzi in what looks to be permanent. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we'll get the Candace match. Maybe they And already, if if they come back know. is is are they allowed to call her Tegan still or is that name officially gone now? Oh yeah, who knows about that part. I don't even want to go down that road yet. Um I just hate it. I kind of hate losses for established teams to toss together. It's what killed the main roster women's tag titles. Well, like you had teams like the Iconics and stuff and you just kept putting it on whoever was fighting mm-hmm. each other for the women's title at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did continue the indie Dexter storyline, I guess, but yes, there was that. Yeah. Index is alive and well, much to the delight of Beth Phoenix. So <laughs> oh. As he carried her away. And then, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Tony storm was interviewed and talked about Raquel and the title and Saray and that she's not on her level. And she had more matches in Japan than she's had hot dinners. <laughs> it's like she as well may or may not, be finishing up on any of that. Uh, then DP, it was time for the cipher celebration with hit row. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm just going to be completely transparent here. It's a lot of the same issues I have with the acclaimed. It's not that I don't recognize the talent. I just can't stand listening to it. <laughs> like, like, I see what you're saying. Like, if you're not a fan of rap music, you're not going to like it anyway. Yeah, I'm just really good. I'm just like, like, I'm just like, oh, that's that's a that's kind of unique and we'll probably get over. Yes. I'm not saying it shouldn't exist. And I'm not saying that, like, I hate them because of it. I'm just being honest and saying that. It's just not my cup of tea for me. It was so the thing that I liked the most about it is the fact that it felt like we were finally opening up just a little bit on what's allowed to be cool in NXT because up until this point, it's only Triple H's view of what is cool. Metal and, <laughs> and skulls 
And like, finally, it was like, oh, okay, there's some other cool stuff out there. There's some rap music in here. Oh, you better and, bet Papa H has gotten his picture taken with the whole group. <laughs> and I was impressed with like just their ability to like after seeing other live performances that the WWE has put on NXT, mm-hmm. I thought this one sounded the best. Like mm-hmm. I could I saw, hear all yeah. the voices. I could I could it was to the beat the oh. whole time. Like, I, I saw comments. People were mentioning online like that that it was an impressive performance. It, it would be an impressive performance for a legitimate group. Like, yes. you know, it was better yeah. than what people have seen sometimes from actual rap groups. And to, like, rap while you're getting into the ring and, like, mm-hmm. all of that was, like, I thought that was pretty impressive. It was one of those oh, things where it was, like, it, it it took up more time on the show than I ever expected it to. When it started, I thought they were going to stay on the stage and then just be done. They're just like, nope, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, because this is the kind of thing where it's like, I don't know if you could keep it up on a weekly basis, but, man, if that's how they came to the ring every week, that would be... I feel yeah. like that shit would get over. Like that would be a big live crowd, you know, would be into it. Like it having them as heels also will make it kind of difficult because they're going to get booed. Yeah. While they're I, so I don't know. We'll see what that happens. was the other thing is once once it was over, I was kind of thinking like, okay, but why did you do like why did you make right. me like this team more? Now I thought they were bad guys that are bullies and beat up people in parking lots. That's, that is a good point. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, uh, it was unique. It's kind of fresh. AEW fans would question that with the acclaim, but it's different, um, you know, and I'm happy as hell for all of them and, you know, really glad to see them getting behind Swerve. So, yeah, no, I like, yeah, um, that's, yeah, I like watching Swerve wrestle. So anything that yeah. lets him do that more, I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, Regal, because this is apparently what we do every week now, has his weekly, what'd you think about the night interview from the lady backstage? Because that's what we do now. Um, are you, are you, are you still depressed? Are you going to leave? Are you going to leave? Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, he mentions, you know, it's great to see Tegan Knox back. And, you know, looks like Cameron Grimes has a new job. And uh, Samoa Joe says, may the, ben, may the best man win after being asked about Gargano versus Cross. So, yeah, there was that a status report. because We have to do that now every week. Main event, Adam Cole, baby, beat Kyle O'Reilly. Everyone cheered and supported Adam Cole throughout the match, no matter how heelish he acted, because they suck. And it really made for... Well, an annoy an annoyance during the match. The match is great. Like mm-hmm. they great. are yes. so good together. They've worked really well together. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the hell out of the match itself. Yep. The booking is questionable. Why we're just taking yeah. away O'Reilly's unofficial win over Adam Cole to give Adam Cole an official win. Doesn't make any sense. Like Adam Cole's been at the top of the card for like five years. Exactly. Why are we moving him back to the same spot? And that's and he's another example of somebody I like watching a lot. I love mm-hmm. NXT. It's probably my favorite thing. To I watch still don't like week. his new theme music, but I, I like it. Oh, God, don't even get me started. <laughs> but, it, like, but he's another one where it's like at this point now, your your existence is to the detriment of a Kyle O'Reilly who mm-hmm. they keep, tr- you know, like he feels like they keep trying to push and then he fights Adam Cole. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but Adam Cole's still here. But Adam Cole's still here. He's another one that God love him. He doesn't take any shit from Cross. He's yeah in Cross's face. He's very <laughs> confrontational with Cross as he sits almost a full head lower than him when they yes. have their face offs. So you know, I don't know. I love Adam Cole. He is probably he's one of the maybe probably the ten best in the world at mm-hmm. with the, at this at this job. It's time to go, man. Like go and see what happens, and then after that, guess what? You could still probably go make fucking six figures in a couple other companies in this world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's just, they've hit that point where it's like, it was almost an annoyance. We used to talk about like, ah, oh, shit, you know, they win the belt, they lose the belt. They're on the main roster. It was, mm-hmm. 
fucking quick six month intervals sometimes like i mean yeah. you were on you were up you were on you had you had your your it. three takeover cycle you got to do right <laughs> yeah you you either sank or swim and then you maybe you get released and you go do the indie thing mm-hmm. and now we've just gotten to the point where it's like well we just won't push these guys up but we'll also continue signing 10 to 12 people every few months to the performance center who we then have to cycle in and get them on television oh wait there's still Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, yes. Finn Balor. We have know, to make sure guys. we have to make sure to continue to pilfer talent from the MLW roster, but we we, yeah. we have nowhere to put in it. But anybody, right. our shelves are it's, full. It's their new way of hoarding talent now. I guess I don't know. Like they're just going to stop promoting guys in the main roster, and NXT is going to have 150 people in it at some point. Yeah. No, but it, like as far as the match goes, I thought this stole the show. Like this was the oh, best yeah. thing on the show by a large point oh, for me, they're, but they're so good. But at some point it's like Zane and Owens. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They can go out there and have fucking five-star match every week, mm-hmm. but should they, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, it's like, um, it's yeah. just, it's, it's like now all of a sudden we've gone back to the territory days where guys are doing run right. like circuits, but instead of it being a circuit in front of a bunch of different audiences, it's the same audience every time we're just watching right. the same match. Yeah. yeah. That shit doesn't work. Yeah. You used to be able to run a fucking program for eight months because you were in a different city every damn night. You yeah. Know? No, it's yeah. not how it works anymore. Um, so yeah, but great American bash. I thought on the whole, um, you know, it was pretty solid. Not quite takeover quality. Maybe a couple of matches that were probably takeover quality. The opener mm. and the main event, I would probably say, could have been on a takeover. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. But so, yeah, yeah, there so you that's... go. That's the current world of wrestling. Right. Back in front of fans. I think everybody's going to be in front of fans within the month or so. As long as things keep going good. I, I keep seeing scary have... stats from Europe about the Delta thing that worries me about some of these live shows. Uh, coming we won't up, go down we'll that see. road right now. Um, Impact, I'm not sure about. I don't know if I've heard as much about Impact. Oh, I, yeah. It, They've got Slammiversary coming up, but I haven't, I'm not positive if that one's in front of fans or not. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, thank goodness. <laughs> we've definitely uh, realized that it makes wrestling better. Absolutely. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat boy in a little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.